Across the UK, online and on DAB. A new kind of talk radio. We'll get you talking. Talk radio. Thank you, Johnny. Thank you, Ash. Ian Lee. Talk radio. No Periscope, no Twitter, no texts, no emails. It's just me. I've got a microphone and I've got a switchboard. You want to play? You've got to call 0844 499 1000. We're doing an actual proper phone-in show. This is Talk Radio. Late night, Ian Lee on Talk Radio. We have ways of making you talk. Problem without solution. Mr. Bastafire. From birth, a gifted spiritual healer and advisor. Special in love and relationship matters. I can help you solve all your worries regarding bringing back loved ones. If your loved one, husband or wife, walks out on you, I can help the most powerful spell to bring him or her back immediately I can also help sexual matters court cases business exams addiction antisocial behavior protection against jealous people enemies and most dangerous things voodoo black magic jadoo problems for all your problems, Mr. Buster Fire is the answer. No disappointment. Quick results guaranteed. Payment after result. Seven days guaranteed. I speak French, English, appointment every day. that was given out to my friend Mel. And Mel sent it to me. She said, oh, Mr. Bastafire might make a good guest for your show. And I thought, no, he'd make a terrible guest for the show. And then it kind of percolated away in the back of my head. And I thought, I wonder, I wonder, this is a genuine flyer that was handed out somewhere in London to passers-by was put in um, the windscreen wipers on the front of cars. Mr. Bastafire is a genuine person. I spoke to him very briefly earlier on today. I was in Cafe Nero in Uxbridge with my friend Scott. And... I decided to phone him up. So I phoned up Mr. 
bust a fire. I asked him if he wanted to come on the show this evening. He said yes. So we're going to dial... I've dialed it. I just need to hit the dial button. We're going to call Mr. Buster Fire up now. I told him I'd ring at 10 o'clock. I spoke to him six hours ago. When you are a voodoo practitioner and a master of the dark arts, sometimes I guess you might say yes without really thinking about it. He's had six hours to think about this, Mr. Buster Fire. So there is a chance he may not answer. If he doesn't answer, we're buggered for the next three hours. Because I was kind of banking on talking to him for a while and then getting your views on it. If he does answer, well, shall we see? Going to hit the dial button, see what happens. The mobile number you have called is currently unavailable. Mister, Please try again later. We will. We will, Mr. Bastafire. What amazes me is the number of people, including voodoo practitioners, that don't have voicemail. How on earth is it possible in the 21st century to not have voicemail don't worry i kind of i kind of expected mr bastafire not to answer it it doesn't end here because i am intrigued by this gentleman i wonder if it's because our number would appear as a withheld number would that be correct i'll tell you what i'm gonna do i'm gonna call him from my mobile because if my number pops up, he might be... Um, the mobile number you have called okay. is currently unavailable. He might be a little bit more um, keen on talking. <clears throat> if not, we'll try him throughout the evening. And if he doesn't answer this evening, we'll give him a call tomorrow and we'll keep trying. Until we get Mr. Bustafire on the show to explain exactly what it is he does. Okay, Kath, I'm going to WhatsApp you Mr. Bustafire's telephone number. And what would be great is if every now and then throughout the show, Catherine, if you could give him um, a call. Um, because he might be busy sorting out someone's jadoo problems. 
So, um, he could have work. Let me just find the, um, I've got it stored on my phone here. There we go. Send that to Catherine so she's got Mr. Bastafire's telephone number. <clears throat> now, he is an African gentleman. I, w- when I spoke to him, he had a very strong African accent. I'm not too hot on African accents. So I couldn't quite, I don't know where it's from. I know Africa is a huge continent. I don't quite know where he is from. I would hazard a guess um, at Nigerian, but I couldn't be completely sure. But I am intrigued by people like Mr. Bastafire. And I tweeted a picture of this, this card he'd handed out. And suddenly loads of you responded with pictures of cards and flyers that you'd receive from practitioners of voodoo and the dark arts. Now, here's the thing, right? You and I know that this is all nonsense, right? Don't we? Well, how do we know it's nonsense? How do we know that when a gentleman like Mr. Bastafire says he is special in love and relationships matter, I can help you solve all your worries regarding bringing back loved ones. How do we know that he isn't telling the truth? That How do we know that he can't bring back someone's wife or husband if they've left and gone off with someone else. We don't know that. We think we know that. We're pretty sure we know that. But what if? Just what if he's right and we're wrong? I told you once when I worked at another radio station doing a late night show and um, I had to walk through Soho to get to the studios. And I was uh, late for the show. It was about, I think the show was 11 till 1, I think. It was about quarter to 10 anyway. It was dark, so it must have been winter or nighttime. I don't know. And I was walking through Soho Square and I was late. But I heard this African voice shouting really loudly, really loudly. And it was a traffic warden take carrying out an exorcism on the telephone how do i know he's a traffic warden he was dressed as a traffic warden and he was um demanding that spirits leave someone's body now is this stuff dangerous mumbo jumbo yeah possibly possibly i do think that a, a lot of times um schizophrenia and um, other mental conditions are misdiagnosed as being um, uh, spirits, evil spirits. But what if, what if they're right? What if they're right? We just had Mr. Buster Fire there and um, he disappeared. We're going to take a quick break 
And when we come back, fingers crossed, we're going to be joined on the line by Mr. Bastafire. Late night, Ian Lee on Talk Radio. We have ways of making you talk. Now, Catherine did speak to Mr. Bastafire, who uh, initially said he was with a client. Then, hello. Hello, hello, is that Mr. Bastafire? Yeah, yeah. Hello, Mr. Bastafire. This is Ian Lee. You're live on talk radio right now. I spoke yeah, to Yeah, yeah, I understand. But uh, you see, you, you, uh, your colleague just called me. I said uh, to call me tomorrow, beginning of the afternoon, because I'm not really able to talk right now. Can you, are you not able to talk just for two or three minutes? I'm intrigued by your no, card, Mr. To, Bastafire. To be, to be honest, I can, I'm not really, I cannot talk now. We're, 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 I'm keen to find out how you can help um, in love and relationship matters. Is it yeah, voodoo? Can you, can you understand me? I said I'm not able to, to talk. I don't want to become rude. Please, I'm not. I'm, I am with my family. You understand? Yeah. So, uh, well, so I cannot talk. Well, uh, could we talk to you tomorrow evening? And maybe ele- yeah, that, eleven. That's, that's what I'm saying. On the beginning of the afternoon, well, around the two o'clock, you can call me. No well, two problem. two o'clock will be tricky. Yeah. As I'll be with my family then. Okay, so so try to call me at eleven. Can I ask, Mister Bastafire, what is a jadu problem? No? Okay. Well, that's Mr. Bastafire. We will try and call him tomorrow. I won't be able to call him at two because I'll be with my family. I don't want to harass the poor gentleman, so we won't call him again um, uh, this evening. But, um, well, no, he said uh, he said yes to 11, but I don't think he heard me say 11. He then went on to say two o'clock. Well, we'll, we'll what, just in that conversation then? No, I heard what he said. I, I heard exactly. Oh, hang on a second. Um, hang on one second. Hello? Yes, is that Mr. Bastafire? Yeah, yeah, I said I will call you tomorrow. Okay? No, I know, you, you you just called me on my phone. Yeah, I know, that's how, that's what I told you, because I know it's you. You called yes. me before. Yes, I, I, I spoke you to you me. earlier this afternoon, yes. In private, in private number, I told you tomorrow you call me at 11, OK? Well, the, the reason it's a private number is because we called you from the studio phone, but can we call you tomorrow evening at 11 o'clock? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Can you just answer very quickly, what is a Jadu problem? Yeah, I said to call me tomorrow at 11, please, OK? OK, we'll speak to you tomorrow uh, at 11pm. Oh, OK. OK, bye. Thank you. Gosh. Well, that's Mr Bastafire. And it's intriguing, isn't it? I do think people like Mr Bastafire, not him specifically, but people like that. They can be dangerous because there are a lot of instances where um, people who are severely mentally ill with um, depression or bipolar or um, schizophrenia, um, particularly in African and some Pakistani and some Indian cultures, um, they can be diagnosed as being possessed by demons. I'm not for a second suggesting that's what Mr Bastafire does we don't know, we'll find out more tomorrow at 11 we'll call him at 11 tomorrow because we've got an author coming on a guy called Glenn Berger at 10 um, but it intrigues me supposing right? just supposing that there were like a thousand cases where um, practitioners of voodoo and if anyone knows what a jadu problem is, I'm, I'm really, J-A-D-O-O, I'm intrigued. Let me know, 0844 Um If anybody, supposing there were a thousand instances 
of people having their demons expelled. Right. And 999 of them could be put down to mental illness, schizophrenia, paranoia, something like that. But supposing just one, just one out of every thousand couldn't be explained. And you know what? I, I, I did a slight disservice there. I said African and Pakistani and Indian. It happens a fair bit in the Catholic faith. Catholic priests still perform, very, very rarely, but they still perform exorcisms on people that they claim are possessed by devils when actually they're probably mentally ill. I was reading a book about this. Was it John Ronson? Who I don't know. Anyway, someone went and had a... And we've heard recently, haven't we? Will Stall. Will Stall. Thank you. That was it. Of course it was Will Stall. And we've heard recently on this show how prevalent black magic is in certain communities. I've had... Hassan, if you're listening, um, I, I've had so many people get in touch with me and say Hassan's call was an incredible well they've said a bit of an incredible bit of radio as though it had something to do with me it didn't it was Hassan's story Hassan you've got to write a book man um it it, it, it wasn't incredible bit of radio it was um it was just an incredible story told by someone who is incredibly humble but he's blind and he went blind at the age of three because his mum and dad are first cousins but it was always explained to him that someone had put a hex on him, that it had been black magic. And for a while, Hassan believed that. Imagine being a child and being told, ah, the reason you're blind is because someone's, someone's, someone's put a hex on you. Yeah, someone's it, it, someone's put a curse on you. It's not. Oh no, it's it's not a genetic abnormality because I've married my first cousin. No, 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 no. Um, it it's because someone dislikes you so much. They've cast a blindness spell on you. And the more we talk to Hassan, the more we're going to find out about it. I'm sure, as long as he doesn't mind talking about it, but. There are still members of Hassan's family that believe that's the case. So we know that this black magic and this voodoo and whatever names it has in all its different cultures. Hassan mentioned jinns, D-J-I-N-S, jinns. They're little sprites or genies that... um, that go around causing all kinds of mayhem in um, particularly Asian um, uh, variations of black magic. But everywhere around the world has got all of these different concepts of black magic and voodoo and hexes and the gypsy curse. You still get the gypsy curse in London. I saw a woman, I drove past a woman yesterday selling Lucky Heather. And if you've been in London... You will have had someone claiming to be a traditional gypsy um, coming up to you with the tiniest little sprig of heather wrapped in um, uh, silver foil, and they offer it to you as a freebie. Now, if you're a tourist or if you're new to London, you think, oh, this is nice, and you take it, you go, thank you. And they go, well, you know, when last time someone did it to me, it was a quid. I imagine it's a fiver or a tenner now. I don't know. Um, and when you say, oh, no, thanks, 
Um, I've had them put a curse on me, the gypsy curse on me. So it's it's prevalent in all kinds of cultures, Asian, black, white, it's all over the place. And it, it, if Catholic priests, and it's a small number, but if Catholic priests are going around performing exorcisms on poor, young, distressed, ill souls, well, what help? What hope is there for the rest of us? You know, we kind of think that we are white and Western. We're, we're better than all that black magic and all that voodoo and, and, and that stuff that happened to Hassan. We're better than that. But yet intelligent white Western people are having exorcisms performed. I'm fascinated by the lot of it. What can you call in about? Well, you can call in with your thoughts on this. If you've received any of these flyers, and you get you get them all over the place, it's not just in London, um, you get them everywhere, offering to um, help your love life, um, create love spells. If you've been given or handed or found one of those do give me a call and here's a thing if you've ever called one of these people and asked them to put a spell for you i know oh wait four 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 nine nine one thousand i should probably give the phone number out shouldn't i i know that um late night radio quite often has um White witches listening. White witches. And these are generally normal people. But they they perform magic and they cast spells. And they believe it. They believe it. So, maybe they're onto something. Maybe, just maybe... They're onto something. Or is it really dangerous and it's buggering up all of our minds? Tonight's show is going to be a little bit different. We're doing an old fashioned phone in show. My laptop is shut. You can't watch the show on Periscope this evening. My phone. Well, I've been using my phone to read Mr. Bastifier's flyer. My phone's over there now. There's no Twitter. There's no texts. There's no emails. All we've got is me, a microphone and a switchboard. Now, you might choose not to call in. We've got we've got five people lined up ready to go already. You might choose not to call in. Do you know what? That's fine. Because I spoke today to someone who performs magic of a different kind. Okay, I spoke to the guy I nicked all of this stuff from. Right? I spoke to um, uh, I spoke to Tommy Boyd today, and Tommy Boyd. Do you know what he did? He made me realise we're going in the right direction. And he said to me, he said, dear boy, 
you have too many phone calls. He said, you should just sit there and talk for longer. That's what I want to hear. So if you don't want to call in, you don't have to call in. The number, if you choose to, is 0844 499 1000. This is Talk Radio. Late night conversation worth losing sleep over. Ian Lee. On air and off the leash. On Talk Radio. We have ways of making you talk. Let's go to Manny. Good evening, Manny. Good evening. Good evening, Manny. What have you got for us tonight? What, Jadu? Jadu. Mm-hmm. What is Jadu? Black magic. Black? Is it, what, 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 what is it, Indian black yeah. magic, Pakistani black yeah. magic? No, 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 Indian, in Punjab. It's... They, they believe in it that much there. Yeah. That much. Especially if you've gone from England, Canada, America, and you've got, gone back home, right? Yeah. You will watch what you eat. You sometimes make sure uh, they burst out that plate because you don't know what they're going to do. Yeah. You don't know what who is going to do. Your family, it could be your family members. Your family could 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 cause you jadu problems. Yes, because every everybody from the Punjab that is here has got a form back home. Yeah. Which is, they don't charge them, they just give it to the family to run. So, when you go from here, they think, oh, they've come to sort of get it back off us, or ask for rent, or this and that. Even the animals aren't safe there. They they even do to animals. They'll sort of do things to animals, they'll do things to you, they don't care. You go if you go to the town. There's Indian gypsies. But what? But what? Ha, what kind of spells are they casting? Hexes? And are they? They're doing bad they can, things to you. Bad things. They can do anything to you. They can make you. They can mess up your head. They but can, but they even, isn't it funny the, the language you're using? You're saying they can mess up your head. Can they? They can. They can even. So you're saying it works? Yeah, even heard stories. Even heard stories where they've actually sort of people hung themselves. But you're so you're saying it works. Well, I'm not saying it works. But they say it works. Well, but you're. No, but you're. Well, do, do you're saying that that, that that it can mess up your head? Do you think yes. that? Do you do you think it works? Myself, not really. You don't. But what's it, interesting, Manny, is you. You don't the old, sound the old, sure. The old people, the old, like my my dad, my mom, people their age, like eighty eighty plus. Yeah. They will think it works. Right. There's <clears throat> when I went out there. I went last September, and um, I went and saw this family member. Oh, if you see this person, he can make your eyes better. Oh, he does. So, so for those who don't that. know, for those who don't know, you're blind, aren't you, after an industrial accident? Yeah, yeah. And um, so you saw someone who who can make your eyes better. No, I didn't see somebody. So well, you, I just went to a relative who says that you know they know somebody that can do this. Yeah. Um, you know, when you when you like that, you, you, you sort of 
you know, you think, well, give it a go. So well, you when gave, I went to that person, you gave it a go? <clears throat> I just went, just talk to him. And you would, wouldn't you? If you were, you know, if you yeah, were blind exactly. with no hope of ever seeing again, and some said, oh, some bloke can, he, can do it, then you would, wouldn't you? Yeah, he says, I want 200,000 rupees, which is about 2,000 pounds. Okay. Okay, I says to him, <clears throat> I says, you do it and make my eyes better. Yeah? Yeah. And I'll give you 500,000. He says, I want the money first. I said, no, you do my eyes. I'll give you 500,000. I'll give you double what you asked for. Oh, no, it doesn't work like that. That's what he's, you know. There's a radio station here in, in Warsaw, Indian radio station. They have that many advertisements on. Oh, we can give you lottery numbers. We can give these. Your children, um, if, if they're not like, and you know, people, if, if they're naughty. And people in India will go yeah. and pay yeah, and have this done. They will, because they're used to that sort of... They they believe in it, you know, they do believe in it. I mean, they'll say, oh, we'll give you lottery numbers... You uh, don't sound 100%, you don't sound 100% sure you don't believe in it. I'm 50-50, because... 50-50, that's a big, that's a big thing! Yeah, yeah, because it's just things that you hear back... Well, what what evidence, Manny, what evidence, what evidence have you got to make you 50-50? I have got no... Personal evidence. It's no. just what you hear when you, you know, when we go back, right? I yeah. go every year in September, and it's it's just what people think. Oh, don't don't go by him. Don't make sure you um, when he eats, um, he drink, you know, eats or drinks first out of that bottle. He has a drink first, or make sure he eats out of that plate first, or yeah. you know, just things like they do scare you a little bit. Because we're not there all the time, you know what I mean? We might go for two weeks, maximum. Mm. But there's a station here in Warsaw, the Asian radio station. Oh, I can get you the lottery numbers. If your children are bad, I can sort them out. Well, who I does that? One of the presenters paper. or are these adverts? No, adverts, oh, adverts. I can, um, I can sort your love life out. Your wife's not doing it, she's told. I can do this. But they're, they're, those are like um, Muslim radio stations. Not Punjabi, Muslim. Okay. They do quite a bit, like you know. Manny, listen. I thank you for sharing your uh, thoughts on Jadu. Oh wait, sorry, I'm sniffing because I'm getting. I think I'm getting. Well, I don't think I'm getting a cold. I think I've got a problem with my nose, but that's by the by. Uh, thank you for that. Oh eight four 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 nine nine one thousand. We just tried um, calling uh, another one of these gentlemen, Mister Sheikh Hamdi, who um, um, is a naturally gifted from God spiritual healer following a family history of over 10 generations in healing. No matter how difficult your problem is, there is a solution to it. Problem concerning black magic, love, voodoo, sexual impotency, business transactions, exams and court cases. They all seem to focus on exams and court cases and erections, don't they? I can help you really reunite with your loved ones, split unwanted relationships, for all your problems, Professor Hamdi, a professor no less, is the answer. No disappointment. Quick results guaranteed. Please don't remain in silence with your problem. Seek help from Professor Hamdi. I can speak English and French. Well, we called him and um, he hung up on Catherine. Um, so, these people may not have manners, but they've certainly 
got people hooked. And people must, people must pay these people money and go and do this stuff. Now, I'm not expecting any of my listeners to, you know, to have gone and done this. Although my listening figures are up 50%, sorry. From quite a low base point. But um, <laughs> but they are up 50%. Um, 5 Um but I'm not expecting any of my listeners to to have gone and indulged in these practices. But but actually saying that, maybe you've gone and had, you know, a little um, palm reading. Or you've gone to see a medium and um, had a little sense. My mum got... When my dad left and my mum was looking back, was obviously um, depressed. I can see that now. I didn't really see it at the time. I just thought we should get get on with her life and go over it. Um, but her and her friend Jerry would go and see a medium, and do you know what? I that we did have a tape recording of it, and I've, I've, I've one of the many many things I've chucked out, much to my um, regret. But stuff, man, where are you going to keep stuff all the time? There's too much stuff. Um, but maybe you've gone and done that for a bit of a laugh. You know, and you've paid your 20, 30, 40 quid and you've had a 40-minute reading and it was a bit of fun and some of it was a bit silly And but she got one or two things right and she knew about your Uncle Barry. and So maybe you have indulged in this. On Monday, we're doing a very special show. We're going to be in Macclesfield uh, at the Bait Hall, which is um, a boozer. And if you're in the area, come along Monday. We're going to get there about nine, half nine. And it is, um, it's a haunted pub, okay? And I've spoken to the landlord on air. Catherine's spoken to him off air several times. This guy genuinely believes it's haunted. Genuinely believes it. I, I totally take him at face value, right? Um, and there's, hopefully, there's going to be a medium there when we're there now we are not allowed here's the here's the weird thing the rules of ofcom dictate that we're not allowed to do a live seance on the air isn't that weird actually thinking about it there is a rule there is a rule that if we broke that rule would get talk radio and myself um a significant fine well that's weird if it's all puff and bluster then why is there a rule in the radio guidelines that says you can't you can't do this you can't have we know it's rubbish but you can't have a seance live on air 0844 499 1000 on monday we'll be in macclesfield you are welcome to join us um we are going to be doing the show from a haunted pub. And who knows, fingers crossed, we might get some evidence. You just don't know, do you? And that, I think, is what is scaring me. 0844 499 This is Talk Radio. Uncut after-hours conversation for the up-all-night generation. Late night, Ian Lee on Talk Radio. We have ways of making you talk. 0844-499-1000. We've got loads of calls backed up. We'll get to them eventually. Craig's on the line. Good evening, Craig. Evening, Ian. What have you called in for, Craig? 
this uh, voodoo and spells, etc. Yes. Fascinating topic, isn't it? It's good, isn't it? It's really good. And thank you to my friend Mel who sent me the... Um, the, the, the picture of this gentleman's flyer. And I, I dismissed it. Whenever anyone says to me, oh, I've got a great idea for a guest, there's something about this. I, I guess it must be ego. I don't know what it is. But I immediately think, oh, no, that would never work. What, what a terrible idea. Um, but I let this one percolate in the back of my head for a little while. And the more I, th- I kept going back to it and thinking, oh, maybe, maybe, maybe it would work. And actually, it was, it was a cracking idea. So thank you for that. Anyway, Craig, what have you got for us? Well, you know, I believe the Bible as it is written. You believe the Bible? Now, you remind me, you're a Jehovah's Witness, is that right? That's right, yeah. So you believe uh, the Bible, uh, word for word, it's not a metaphor, it's not an allegory, it's the literal word of God. Yes. Despite all the evidence to the contrary. Well, obviously, I have uh, examined the evidence. Well, he he, he didn't write it in English, did he? No, no. Inspired writers. Okay. But obviously, in the Bible, there's Jesus. He expelled demons. That was one of his miracles. Yeah. And he gave that ability to the apostles as well. So it shows that there were dodgy forces. Even you know, in the in the Bible uh, of the, the, the recording of Jesus' life, there were active demons then. Would you ever go to a seance? Are you allowed to go to a seance? Oh no, we're not allowed to touch anything that's spiritualistic. Why? Um, why not? What? What would? What? What? What's? What would happen that's bad? Well, the, the the Bible says that the whole world is in the power of the wicked one, which is Satan. So all Satan has to do is distract people from the true course, which is following God, Jehovah. Yeah. yeah. So he can throw anything out there, but he also has power. So he can do some of the things that sound supernatural. Yeah. You know, he's, he's a, he, after the end of the day, he's a fallen angel. So he has all the, uh, he has all the powers that uh, the Bible says he has. And here's the thing, right, Craig, and I'm, um, I'm going to try and tread carefully because I like you and I don't want to offend you. Oh, yeah, I know. You, I, and, and I know you can take it, but I don't want to be deliberately rude to you. That's not the act. No, no. Um, but here's me initially talking about um, uh, uh, African black magic and, and, and Indian and Pakistani jadu, and then kind of thinking, well, there's there's something similar with Catholicism and, and, and exorcisms. Yeah, yeah. And here is you, a um, regular, an excellent contributor to the show, <laughs> someone not who not I apparently. think has got his head screwed on. Yeah. And you're coming out with what, to me... And a lot of people sounds like complete and utter bullshine. And you're saying it, you mean it? Yeah. Well, and I, 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 I know you. I, 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 you know, I'm, I, you know, that's your opinion. And I'm giving my opinion. Yeah. I'm trying not to be insulting, but you mean I, it. You're no genuine, offense. and you 100 oh, percent believe yeah. that stuff. And that I mean, to me is fantastical. Uh, but the, the old saying, isn't it? The biggest trick the devil did, uh, devil did was to make people not believe that he existed well no 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 that's 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 what what you that's in your opinion that's the biggest trick the devil did in my opinion the devil is just um a man-made creation to 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 scare us into subservience and to put up with our crappy badly paid lot in life because when we die after four was it three score and ten years of absolute misery and back-breaking work we'll be in paradise 
Yeah, well, obviously, I'm, I'm, everything I say is from my belief yeah. in, in my universe where there's an active God that can control things and adjust things, in the, you know, when he needs to. But yet you can't, you can't explain babies with cancer, and I know it's no, a I cheap did, shot. I did, I did. Dig, remind me again how you explain babies with cancer? Adam and Eve... And say and challenge God to say you can't be God. You don't. You have no right over us. Yeah. So, in the universe at that time, where there's no money, there's nothing else. He, Je- Jehovah had to allow Satan to be proved wrong. So he's allowing Satan to uh, control this world, and every every year this world gets worse and worse. So, so God could stop. Babies having cancer, oh, yeah, but he's so true. he's so pissed off with what Adam and Eve did. No, it's, it's like a universal court. He has to allow it. He has I to re- allow it, even I though re- he could stop it. I remember I said that Jesus resurrected Lazarus, yeah? Yeah. To the earth. Now, if, if you... He wasn't... Lazarus, when he died, he wasn't in heaven having a great time, thinking, oh, I've served my time on earth. He was just dead. There was He was like in a sleep. But so and, babies with cancer... I just want to get this right. Right. Babies with cancer, yeah. which God could prevent, yeah. it's out of spite. But remember, no, I remember I said that he had to allow Satan to be proved wrong. Why did he have to allow... I don't, but but I, what I don't understand, and it's it's even a horrible sentence to say, but, yeah, yeah. but, but I, why does he have to allow babies it, to die in hideous, awful ways? Remember I said that uh, when the resurrection happens... On the earth. Those babies will come back to life. They'll come back, but they won't have the memory of the suffering either. That's all right, then. That's all right, then. But... That'll be okay. God didn't cause the suffering. But he could prevent it. He chooses not to to prevent it. He has to allow it to prove that this Satan is evil. That that sounds quite evil on God's part. No, no, it doesn't. Well, it does. It does. If, 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 If he could stop... Kids having cancer, or kids getting, you know, burnt to death, or you know, uh, uh, babies losing their limbs. If he could stop mm. that, and he chooses not to, that does sound quite mean spirited on God's part. I, I appreciate your opinion on that. He has, like I, I keep saying, he, he has, has to, to allow do it. To, yeah? to, 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 but yeah. he can then, instead of fixing cancer now and the kids still dying, that's yeah. just like a band aid. Yeah. His solution is to resurrect those that have died, yeah. to a perfect paradise, given the same chance as Adam and Eve. Imagine if you're wrong. Then I'll die and I was wrong. I haven't harmed anybody. But if I'm right, then one of the things in the Bible is to tell people that Jehovah will bring Armageddon. Okay. Nice. It- All right, All right, Craig, if you're right, you quids in. Thank you, Craig. Let's go to um, David. Hello, David. Why are you arguing with him? He's told you he's examined the ev- evidence. I don't understand where the argument is. You're, you're right, David. I, he has examined the evidence much better than I possibly could have done, yes. <laughs> I don't like having a pot, but that was pretty funny. Yeah. Um, you're right. I was sitting down <laughs> recently thinking about Stonehenge. Hang on a minute. Did you, hang on a minute. Did what? your star- story start with, I was sitting down recently. Yeah. Wow. That, I do that a lot, Ian. I, no, I know. I've, I've seen a picture of you. And um, that that's an incredible way to, to begin a story. That's fine. You could, you could have just said, I was thinking the other day. I was, po- I was, I was pondering. Yeah. 
Bowl's sitting down. Okay, well, okay. well, you've painted a picture for us, yes? Right, so I was sitting down and I was thinking of Stonehenge and I don't get it, right? And I thought, go on Wikipedia and that, have yes, a look. Yes. But then I thought, nah, actually, I'll ask Ian, he might. He might what know. do you want to know about Stonehenge? What is it? I don't, like, what, who cares? Sorry? Why do people care? Well, Why, you, like, you obviously care. Well, I've driven past it a couple of times, right? Yes. And I saw people hanging around and I was like, okay, all right, there's that thing with the stones. Stonehenge. Well, I, yeah. That's the one. I've been to Stonehenge, yep. and you're you're not allowed to go no, near the stones now. It's all They're roped off, off. Isn't they? yeah. Which I think is silly. The, the, you know, there is you know the the rock that made Stonehenge. The rock, the wrestler made Stonehenge. You're being an idiot. Okay. Yeah. The, the stones from which Stonehenge are hewn, yeah, come from four hundred miles away. Right. That's impressive. That's pretty cool, isn't it? But here's another fact that you probably don't know. A significant number of the stones in Stonehenge are fake. What? Yeah. There's a brilliant picture. I think it was in the 50s. Stonehenge blew over. This is (laughs) true. Honestly, this is true. It lasted that long and then it blew over. I, I swear to God, I, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure this is true, because I remember someone telling me, and I poo-pooed it, and then I looked, and the pictures are out there. In the 50s, it may have been earlier than that. No, it must be the 50s, because there's photos. Stonehenge blew over, right? And s- some of the stones got damaged. I'm sure I've got this right. Someone, 0844 499 <laughs> if someone can either back me up or phone up and say, well, no, you're an idiot. Someone's had you. Is, is, Catherine's nodding. I think she's found the pictures. So Stonehenge blew over in the 50s, right? And a lot of the stones were damaged. So what they had to do, I'm being told it was in 1900, what they had to do was they rebuilt some of the stones. And I don't think they're even rock. I could be wrong on that. Right? Plastic. Well, not plastic, but they're some, probably Bakelite, but they're something. <laughs> and then they rebuilt Stonehenge and put it all back together as best as they could. And they fastened some of the rocks together. So they make, you know, they make like a, a big lowercase n. Yeah. A n for our you know, young readers. And um, they kind of like glued and bolted the n's together. So the top bit was like glued and bolted to the, the two bits, the, the two um, uh, verticals. Right. Um, so You're just making this less impressive. Like, I mean, <laughs> all right, so earlier on, fine. And also, imagine being the person to find it, like, on the floor. Like, going to it in the morning you, and just... You had oh, one no. job to do! Look it after Stonehenge! <laughs> it finally happened! But, um, yeah, but one of the seven wonders of the world, really. Can we... Re- that's, that's a bit much, isn't it? I, d- I don't think it is one of the seven wonders of the world. It is. is, it? is Wikipedia. It? Is it? Yeah, well, there are two. Mate. There are two sets of seven wonders, aren't there? There's the ancient, the seven wonders of the ancient world. Yeah. So that's like the pyramids and Stonehenge, and uh, I don't, I don't know, a hole. And then there are the seven wonders of the modern world, and that's things like Donald Trump's hair, um, PlayStation Two, that that kind of stuff. There was eight, wasn't there? But China passed away this year. Yeah, sad, sadly, we lost China. Um, I think, well, I make up, it's a portal that allows interdimensional space travel. Surely 
when it blew over that space travel ended well, and we can stop celebrating this farce, this utter farce. They still let pagans go and hump it, don't they? Even though you're not allowed to touch it. At summer solstice, they'll take the ropes down and pagans with their dirty, fetid genitals are allowed to go and make, basically make love to Stonehenge to feel its magic aura, man, up my bunghole. Well, listen, I'm, I mean, thanks for the information. You haven't convinced me. OK. Um, but I, I appreciate your time you'll, tonight. You'll learn, David, you'll learn. Thanks, mate. You have the potential to grow. OK, cheers, mate. Ta-ta, bye-bye. Um, let's, uh, let's get Alan in before the news. Evening, Alan! Evening, Ian! What kind of cake? Gay cake. Gay cake. Hey. And actually, China was the ninth wonder of the world. Oh, really? Yeah. We've got a guest coming on tomorrow. No- Tonight we're going to play out an interview I did ages ago with Miles Hunt from oh, the Wonder what Stuff. What are you doing? No, we're going to do Francis Rossi next week because it's a, it's a good one. We want to make a big thing of it. And then tomorrow we've got a gentleman coming on, a guy called Glenn Berger, who's written this brilliant book, Never Say No to a Rock Star, in the studio with Dylan, Sinatra, Jagger and more. I finished it today. It's an absolutely brilliant brilliant book he's he's a compelling read oh man alive he doesn't pull any punches he says exactly what he thinks about the p he calls uh, paul simon a p-r-i-c-k um and he a wick. Ca- yeah exactly a, a quick and um he ca- i think he refers to bob dylan as a phony and it's just um it's so refreshing to read a really honest book where the writer is telling like, telling you how they feel and doesn't really care how everybody else is doing. Have you ever thought about writing a book, Ian? I started writing a book, Alan. I've written three chapters. It's with some publishers to see if they want to publish it. Come on, publishers, get your fingers out. Come on, publishers. I think they've pretty much all rejected it. Oh, no, hang on. We're playing a negotiating game. There are three of them that are really keen. No names? No, no names named. I'll, penguin, I'll from number two. Penguin, Ladybird, and Puffin. I would go for the Penguin. I would go for the Penguin. Unless, unless Batman beats him. Who's the best Penguin? Burgess, Burgess Meredith or Danny DeVito? Are you asking that question seriously? Topic. Delete my phone number, Alan. Call me. 0844-499-1000 is the telephone number. Jay and Ty, going to come to you after the news. Hold your horses, guys. Um, that was an interesting hour, wasn't it? Uh, we can carry on talking about black magic and, and voodoo and, and other bits and pieces. I want to, though, after 11, I want to try and clarify a point that I was trying to make the other day about my kids. And I don't think I made it as well as I want to. And it's towards the end of a show as well, so some of you might not have heard it. Um, but I, I want to try and cl- clarify this kind of, I, I don't know, angst? Is that the word? That I've got about my children and watching my children grow up. And I just want to wonder if it is going to resonate with any of you. And we talked about it a, a couple of days ago, but it was really near the end of the show. And most of you are probably naffed off because... 
I don't know, maybe you're, you're lightweight. Or maybe you have lives. I don't know. 0844 499 1000. This is Talk Radio. Across the UK, online and on DAB. Talk Radio. We have ways of making you talk. Talk Radio. I'm not going to give out the phone number because we've got loads of people uh, waiting to call. You can still call in and you, you might kind of jump ahead, you know, if, if something you have something to say that is pertinent. Um... Yes, I'm Ian Lee. This is Talk Radio. Late night, Ian Lee on Talk Radio. We have ways of making you talk. So, here's the thing that I was trying to explain the other day. And it's a really difficult concept to explain. And I'm wondering, well, a few of you got in touch via Twitter and said, oh, I get what you're saying. So I, I wonder if it's not, it may not be a universal theme. Speaking to parents predominantly here. Maybe grandparents too, I'm not sure. Well, grandparents are parents. Uh, it, it may not be a universal theme. I'm not totally sure. And I am going to use an example to illustrate my point um, that you really need to listen to, okay? Because it, 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 I start off talking about a paedophile, and I don't want you to get distracted by the fact I'm talking about a paedophile, okay? It's, it's what he said is pertinent, and we're treading really carefully here, what he said is pertinent to... Um, well, let me say what he said first, because lots of you will, 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 will miss here, and... and um, we'll assume that I'm identifying with a, a paedophile's sexual um, uh, nature. It was um, uh, John Ronson did a brilliant show documentary following Jonathan King. Um, I think it was just before he went to prison and when he came out. I know it was certainly when he came out. I'm not sure if it was before. Uh, Jonathan King, you know, record producer, discovered Genesis, wrote loads of hits, um, uh, but used his fame and celebrity to pick up young boys, I think 14 years old, um, and would take them back to his place and would rape them. Um, What people found, what some people in in Jonathan King's defence, what Jonathan King found interesting was he would say, well, hang on, why are these people coming? These people would come back repeatedly. If it was rape, why would they come back repeatedly? Well, the the, the relationship between a victim and the abuser is a very, very complicated one. And that's not what we're talking about. Within this programme, John Ronson interviewed Chris Denning, who was a Radio 1 DJ and who has recently been sentenced again for uh, uh, um, sexual crimes against young boys. And then he said men. At this point, Denning, I think, was living in Amsterdam. And it's a really uncomfortable interview. If you can find it on YouTube, I really urge you to um, to watch it because it was the clearest explanation I've ever seen, heard or read for part of why a paedophile does what they do okay and chris denning and i have no sympathy for this gentleman at all all right no sympathy whatsoever i'm just telling you this because i think it's kind of pertinent right chris denning said as he was filmed in a hotel room in amsterdam with a young man sat next to him he said to john ronson look you've got it easy if you fall in love with a woman or someone falls in love with a man, you grow old with that person, 
you um you age with that person you live and your your love develops and you share interests and hobbies and you have some things that you do on your own but then you come back together and you talk about those things and you can start from a young point of view and then you go up to being very very old he said the, he said you should feel sorry for me the pedophile he said you should feel sorry for me because i can never have that i fall in love with someone who is 14 or 15 and that person, within six months or a year, is gone. They're no longer that 14-year-old boy, that 15-year-old boy. They become a 16-year-old man, a 17-year-old man. They grow and they age. Now, listen carefully. Not condoning what he said. I have no sympathy for the gentleman at all. I find what he does abhorrent. But that line has always stuck with me it's always stuck with me right and it kind of fits in to where my head is at with my two young boys who are six years old and four years old they're going to be seven and five in january right i i am so hard to try and put this into words i'm gonna miss those guys when they're seven and five i'm gonna miss my six-year-old and my four-year-old when they're eight and six i'm gonna miss my six-year-old and my four-year-old when they're 10 and eight i'm gonna miss them even more when they're 15 and 13 the two boys that live with me now will not live with me for much longer you know Yes, they'll live with me, you know, uh, I don't know, another 15 years, maybe more. Probably a lot more. But they won't be the two young boys that they are now. Does this make any sense whatsoever? It's a really tough concept to try and explain. And I'm having such trouble verbalising it. But in a couple of years, or five years, or ten years... I'm going to miss that six-year-old boy and that four-year-old boy. And they're already ageing. My, my eldest doesn't want me to kiss him at school. Doesn't want me to kiss him when we go to school. And my youngest is, is kind of, you know, the baby. is sort of becoming more independent. He wrote the word hospital the other day by spelling it out in his head. He spelt it wrong, but you could read it as hospital. He couldn't read or write three months ago. Now he's spelling the word hospital. This is a real long shot, right? But if you're a parent, do you know what I mean? Do you understand what I'm, what I'm trying to grasp here? I don't want my kids to grow up. And it's more than that. I am going to miss terror. I miss the three and one year old we had. The three and one year old are kind of, they're very faint memories in the back of my head. I miss those guys. I'm never going to see those guys ever again. They've gone. Man, the three and the one year old are dead. They've gone. And the six and the four-year-old will be gone. They're going to go very, very soon. 
So what am I trying to say? I don't really know. That's the thing. I don't really know what I'm trying to say. I'm just throwing it out there because it's been on my mind quite a lot recently. And I think it's... I think it's uh, not midlife crisis, but, I, you know, I think it's kind of common for 43-year-old men. And, again, I can't speak on behalf of women. I'm a 43-year-old white middle-class man, so that's kind of all I can, you know, all I can speak for is is, is me in that position. But a 43-year-old man, I am really starting to become aware of my mortality and the fact that, my dad died at 61, I think. So that's 18 years I've got, if I'm lucky, you know, hopefully a bit, a bit more than that. Probably not that much more. I'm putting on a bit of weight. I'm very, very unfit. 30 years, do we reckon? 73? I mean, my granddad on my mum's side got Alzheimer's and died very, very young. So I'm going to see my, I see my boys reach... 35 maybe maybe if i'm lucky and it breaks my heart and i kind of wonder what have i set those guys up for because the world sucks at the moment doesn't it and i've always kind of thought it was getting a little bit better i'm not convinced it is getting any better now and i really worry that i have set those boys up for a miserable existence and I'm not going to be around there for that much longer to um, look out for them and to keep an eye on them. And also, in 10 years' time, 12, 13 years' time, they won't want me to look after them and keep an eye out for them because they'll be cocky young gits, they'll be teenagers. They'll, they'll, um, they'll be like we were when we were 16, 17, 18, immortal. You're immortal at that age and you know everything. And boy, oh boy, I wish I'd sat down with my granddad and, uh, or my dad or my mum when I was 15, 16, 17 and listened to what they said about stuff. Um, and I didn't. I don't really know how my mum and dad met. I don't really know how they met. I know he was a soldier and I think he chatted my mum and her friend up. I don't, really, I don't really know all that stuff, you know, which is, which is, is nuts, isn't it? 0844-499-1000 is the telephone number. You don't have to call in about that, but I would kind of like to know. I'd like to know if you're a parent. Do you get what I've just tried to explain in the last 10 minutes in a really clumsy, ham-fisted, stoner type of way? Um, or maybe you don't, and maybe you think, what? What a load of old rubbish that is. Either's fine, to be honest. Either is absolutely fine. I don't mind. Oh eight four 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 nine nine one thousand. Bruce is on the line. Good evening, Bruce. Hip hip hip. What kind of cake? Battenberg. Oi! Battenberg proving very very popular in the what kind of cake welcome stakes. You know, uh, it was it was twenty five years I went through life without trying Battenberg cake, and that that's another reason why I have such an odd relationship with my parents. Marzipan, isn't it? Yes, I couldn't. I couldn't do it. I, I can't do marzipan. Yeah, See, it's, it's like the marmite of uh, cake top, isn't it? <laughs> oh, hang on, a marmite cake that could work. Well, um, my father—not can't believe I'm doing this—but uh, my father used to eat dry, dry Weetabix uh, covered in marmite. Do you know what? I 
I've got, I've got a feeling my dad might have, someone in my, cause that, that, I've heard, I've heard that before from someone. I got a feeling it's someone what, in my family did that. I think that's a thing. Yeah, I mean, it must be, it must be a thing, but what a thing. I mean, what I a, what a thing. Twice. What? You know. I always confuse Weetabix with shredded wheat. Shredded wheat were the ones that had, um, uh, uh Ian Botham in. That's correct. That's yeah. correct. Ian Botham was in the shredded wheat, um, yeah. and his, uh, Gingangoolies. Um, and Weetabix were, that they were the, 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 what were the names of the guys that advertised the Weetabix? Were oh, they, no. they were like the Weetabuddies or something, weren't they? Uh, I'm not too sure. I remember Ian Botham's, uh, shredded wheat advert, but not that. And also, if you want to make cakes, yes. um, like covered in chocolate, you know, like, like you put them in like little cupcakes, you break the, the cereal up and you cover it in chocolate. Yeah. Um, shredded wheat works really well, Weetabix, not quite so much. Shredded wheat chocolate cakes? Yes, your kids must have made cornflake cakes. Yeah, cornflake cakes. The trick, the trick in there is you've got to get a bit of, um, uh, like toffee or something in there. Do you need some caramel or something to, to make it stick together? Absolutely. Uh, but yeah, try it with shredded wheat. It's, uh, it's remarkable. Shredded wheat? I'm, gonna, I'm having a go at that. Please do. If I leave you anything tonight, it's, uh, hopefully it's that. I've got the kid, I've got the kids tomorrow, so we're, we're having some of that. Nice one. Thank you, Bruce. No problem. Um, I didn't throw up to talk about um, cake making, of course. Of course. Um, I called up because of your impassionate 10-minute uh, rant. Oh, yeah. Uh, not rant. It wasn't a rant, was it? It was Just talking, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Um, and I've not called in for a while, and, and what a night to have called in, because that first hour was something. But um, your speech then was, was something else. I mean, I, I completely agree with what you're trying to get at. And my kids are slightly younger. My kids, my my youngest is turning two on Saturday, and my daughter is three and a half now. And it, it seemed for a long time that nothing was kind of changing. Like babies, when they're very small, don't do anything, and then they start to crawl and yeah. they start to walk and all that. And my daughter was a very slow learner at talking, yeah. so she was walking very quickly, but talking not so much. And she started going to play group a couple of days a week, and. Almost within like a few weeks, she suddenly started talking, mm. and I was like, "What's happening?" Because all of a sudden, it's gone from zero to sixty, and I thought, "What happened to that little girl that yeah. was there two weeks ago?" She's, she's gone. Still the same size. She's gone. She's still the same person, but yeah. she's but at the same time she's different. Yeah, and it's it's kind of it breaks your heart a little bit, and it's so stupid because it's not like there's it's anything wrong with what's happening. But all of a sudden, what you knew was the norm suddenly gets changed. And you know it's never going to go back to how it was. It can't do, because they've moved on to the next stage. Do you think... Is this why, Bruce, that some people have lots of kids? Because um, they miss the baby, and they miss the toddler, and they miss the, 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 you know, the 18-month-old that can't speak. I can't even remember what age kids start walking and talking. It's funny how it's so important at the time. I can't even remember now. But, you know, some families have, like, five, six kids, and I wonder mm. if part of it is, is, is that, is because they, they just miss... They miss the little babies. My, it's, honestly, if my wife... If we could have more children, I mean, you know, like a lot of people, it comes down to financials. Yeah. Um, and if we could have more kids, my wife would absolutely love to have more kids because um, it was everything with her. She even loved being pregnant, which can, again, be a bit of a Marmite thing. Yeah, um, no, some people, but, some people do. Some people enjoy yeah. enjoy the act of, of carrying child. Quite a lot of women yeah. do, I think. Yeah, exactly. And so I think you're right with that as well. I think sometimes it can be that loss 
and again, like when, when normally when you talk about loss, like um, we're, we're burying somebody tomorrow. Luckily, you know, thankfully, someone who was quite old and lived a very good life. But when you talk about loss, it's normally about death. When what we're talking about here isn't loss because of life; it's loss because of that innocence and that change. You've got it um, in the character. Yeah, you've got it. You've got you've 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 managed to hone in. I threw out kind of a big scattergun approach. You've you've honed in very nicely, Bruce, on 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 kind of what it is I've, I'm trying to explain. You're right. It's loss, but it's not loss because of death. It's loss because of life and yeah, the fact and that you- they are changing. Yeah, and what you said there about um, listening to your parents and wishing you could go back. I mean, I don't. I'm not even a big fan of the song, but uh, Cat Stevens' father and son. Yeah. When you listen, I mean, I remember that, that coming out again when Boyzone or whoever. But the words are spot on. I know it's a cheesy old but thing. We, the words. Exactly. But when that came out, when I was uh, I don't know 14, 15, 16, around that kind of age. I thought, what a stupid song. Yeah. You don't hear any version of that song now, you listen to the words. Yeah. It breaks your heart. Yeah. Because you think, my God, if only I'd listened more. And the, the thing is, I know now, with my own kids, when they get to 15, 16, 17, 18, I want to give them advice. I want them to be able to talk to me and listen. But the thing is, I was that person. I was yeah. that 15, 16, 17 year old. And it's probably very unlikely you're going to be able to get the messages across. No, of course not. They won't hear it. They won't They won't hear it because you didn't hear it and you know that your mum and dad didn't hear it and they won't hear it. And that's the natural cycle. Yeah. I, um, funny, my boys are six and four and already they're saying, I wish I was older. <laughs> and I remember that. I remember wishing I was older because everything looks easier when you're older. And I'm saying what my mum and dad said to me: "Don't you know? Don't wish your life away, son." But who, who said? Who's saying youth is wasted on the young? Oh, that's a line, isn't it? But it, it, but, but do you know what I mean? I can't remember where it's from, but I know it must be a line from the song because I know it. That sounds like um, a kind of Dylanish thing or a Birds thing or something. It, yeah, a bit hippieish, but yeah. that kind, that kind of. Or phrase is so true because I remember wanting to grow facial hair. Yeah, you know now I've got a, uh, I've got a beard like yourself, and you have to maintain it. It's a bit of a pain. Yeah, uh, but when you're like fifteen, it's like oh, I wish I could just grow a bit more facial hair. Oh, I and wished I could shave. I really wished I could shave. And shaving is I, I yeah. hate it. It's such a hassle, and I can't do it very well. And I cut myself, and I get a rash. You and... waited so long to get to that stage in life, and once you're there, as you say, it just becomes a great big nuisance. I watched a film at the weekend by a gentleman whose name escapes me, Jonathan something or other. It's a film called called Tarnation, and I'm not going to recommend it as a film ring film because it's really hard watch, actually, because he's done it in kind of like a psychedelic style. But it's basically, it's a documentary about his mum and his his relationship with his mum and her mental illness and all this. And uh, I messaged him on Facebook and just said, I just want to say, Jonathan, you don't know me, but your film has really touched me. And he was, was, you know, was thrilled that I'd said that. And it's kind of inspired me. I'm not going to make a, a, a film like that, but I've got a really nice video camera that, that does really good filming. I've got a really nice little sound set up. I'm going to go and make a short film about my mum. And it's not going to be anything fancy. Basically, I'm going to plonk her in her chair and I'm just going to ask her questions like, when did you meet dad? And a lot mm. of, now a lot of it she won't remember. That stuff she remembers. But I'm going to make a nice little five, six minute film of my mum. So I've got that for when she dies and also my kids will have that for when they get a little bit older and they want to know where they came from i think it's a it's a great idea i mean i i have a terrible relationship with my my parents i I haven't talked to them for about three years now but um there are certain memories that i have and 
looking back at photos and stuff like that of like good times and it's it's good to capture those kind of things and we're lucky now that we're in a a stage of life where we all have a camera we all have a video camera in our pocket and i've got videos of my children doing stuff that if I had a, I've got a video camera, but to go and get it and set it up and all that kind of stuff, I wouldn't be able to do. But, I but do you know where all that stuff it. is? Because I remember filming the first time um, my eldest rolled over. Mm. I haven't got a clue where that is. Now. That's, that's probably gone. Do you know what I mean? I, don't, I, I wonder, and I've got to go to a break in a second, but I wonder if we, um, I, I wonder if I have lost the importance of films and photographs because it's so easy to film everything. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, I do. You know, I've got I've got three thousand pictures on. I haven't actually got three thousand pictures on my phone because I took all of them off. My phone was full up. I took all the pictures off. They're about five and a half thousand. I put them on a hard drive, thinking, well, one day I'll go through that hard drive and I'll sort them out. Honestly, it's probably not going to happen. It will happen. I, I, you know what? I bet it will because one day when we when we all get a bit older and we've got more free time. Yeah. We will have the time to do that. That's the state, that's the time when you, when your kids have, have flown the coop, and you're there, and you've retired because um, you've had a very successful career. I'm talking about in the future. Um, <laughs> oh, paying job. <laughs> no, I'm talking about a big paying job. Yeah, um, and, and you're able you're able to do that and not have to worry about the, the nine to five kind of lifestyle. Yep. you can sit there and go. I've now got ten thousand pictures the last 20 years of my children's lives i'm now going to sort that and you will but it's something you'll have to keep hold of bruce thank you very much nice to talk to you again mate 0844 i'm not going to give the number we've got loads of phone calls steve you'll be up next this is talk radio the radio show for people who know the best part of the day is the night late night ian lee on talk radio we have ways of making you talk We're going to end the show a bit later on with um, the interview with with Miles Hunt from um, The Wonder Stuff. Um, And why are we ending with that? We we, we played it ages ago, and our listeners have gone up 50% at least since then. So loads of you won't have heard it, and it's actually a particularly good interview. Miles was on um, sparkling form. So uh, we'll, we'll, we'll play that a little bit later on. Steve's on the line. Evening, Steve. Good evening, Ian. Hello, Steve. What you got for us? I've got. I want to say I'm a big fan. Followed you around for a long time. A bloody to you, sir. You don't do that anymore, do you? No. Well, no. But thank you very no, much. Okay. No. 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 Thank no, you. No. I was going to say, listening to the last call has sort of thrown me off the track a little bit. But I was going to say to you that I'm at the other end of, of the journey that's in front of you. My children are 27 and 29. Yeah. And you, I do yearn for the early 90s when they were toddlers and cute little kids. And you do have to endure the bit where they, they hate you and they yeah. don't like, you know, they don't want to be seen with you. But you come out the other side and they're friends again. I enjoy them again. They're, they're, you know. What's it like? Because I tell you why, because in my 20s, I didn't get on with my dad particularly well, so I didn't really see him a lot. And my mum was getting iller and iller, so I was kind of, I kind of became almost a surrogate parent for her. So I don't know what, what, what is it like? What is it like to... Now, uh, what's it like now for, with, with you oh, having... Fabulous, get... No, fabulous, fabulous. They're, 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 they're no longer, they're fully grown adults, yeah. and I enjoy their company, and... I can reminisce. If you're a melancholy sort of guy, yeah. it can, can not always 
enjoyable to reminisce about the good old days when I was 20 years younger and, you know, fitter, healthier, happier. Yeah. <laughs> but it's fine. It's fine. That's all I can say, really. I'm trying to say to you, it'll be okay. Of course it will. It's the cycle of life, you know. And I, and I know, deep down, I know it will be okay. Yeah. Um, but and I do get missing, missing the fact that, yeah, that... Suddenly, one of them doesn't want to kiss you, doesn't want to hold your hand anymore, maybe doesn't even want to be walked to school yeah. or dropped off around the corner. Yeah, that, that's, that's everybody. Steve, the first time one of them said, I hate you, Dad. Have you had that? Uh, no, I've not, I've not had it. I think my, my, the closest we've come is I've been called an idiot. And I've oh, kind yeah. of, I've knocked that on the thing. I don't think we, I don't think we've had an I hate you yet. And I think we're a few years from the I hate you. But right. that, that must hurt. You know what? It depends on the circumstances. Not necessarily. You can almost laugh at it. Really? It depends, it depends how it comes at you. Why yeah. they hate you. <laughs> yeah. If they hate you because, I don't know, what's a good example? They can't have the newest highly expensive video game, so they yeah. hate you, because you're going to laugh at that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but you're, you're going to stop them from smoking, you're going to stop them from doing something for their own good, and they're going to hate you, but you're going to know why. You're going to know why they hate you. Do why you they worry? Say they hate you. One of the things I worry about, listen, when I was growing up, I smoked and I took drugs and I drank a lot, right? As, yeah. as a lot of teenagers and, and 20-somethings do. And I kind of expect that my boys will smoke and drink and take drugs. Um, Try it all, yeah. yeah. Uh, does that? Does how, do, how does that sit with you? Knowing that I don't know what you know what what your kids have been up to, but knowing that that is that is that would have crossed their lives at some point. If it's not them doing it, it will be their mates doing it. Yeah, peer pressure. You, you maybe you got to you call to convince them that if they're going to try stuff, try it. But don't give in to peer pressure. Don't do it because it'll impress your mates. Um, are you not scared? You're not scared when they go out. And I, 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 I listen, you 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 say you're you're the I? other end. You're a few a few uh, years ahead of me. Are you not scared? Was when I? They... Yes, yes. It worries me. It worries me, Steve. You're you're, you're, you're kind of crossing bridges that ain't yeah. even built yet. <laughs> you're right. You, you you have got your kids at a golden time. Yeah. Right now, and and it is gonna. Turn a little bit sour, only a little bit sour, not not so unbearably so. Yeah, and it, it just it is okay, Steve. If you... I want to hug you and tell you to be fine. Honestly, you you do sound genuinely worried, and I've got to tell you yeah. that in my experience, you don't have anything to worry about. Um, if you could go back, is it, uh -huh. is it two girls you've got? Did you say? Um, no, I've got I've got a boy who, who's. 29 okay. and a daughter of 27. All right. If you could go back, yeah. What what would be the perfect ages for your boy and your girl in your head? Oh, three and five. Why? Why that age? Cute little toddlers yeah. who yeah. who were just innocent and lovely and inquisitive and. But you can't, can you? But I would. But you can't. It, but also the whole bundle. To go back then, I'd also be in my early 30s, yeah. rather than my early 50s. Yeah. And and everything is rosy when you look back. But it's hard work. It's rosy. I, I remember, you know, I, that, that's a work all the hours I could possibly fit in to keep everything going. I, I, I don't want, wouldn't want to go back to that. Yeah, yeah. But I did. But you only remember the golden times when you had a bit of chance to enjoy kids. It's all good, mate. You can't hit the other side. Steve, it's fine. Thank you, mate. I appreciate your call. Okay. Thanks thank a you. lot. Take care.
What a nice man. Um, 0844 1000 Mike, and then we'll go to Ty, I promise. This is Talk Radio. Late night, Ian Lee on Talk Radio. We have ways of making you talk. Mike's on the line. Evening, Mike. Evening, how are you? I'm all right, thank you, Mike. I'm all right. I had a bit of a whitey earlier on. I nearly pulled out of the show. I came in and someone had um, a big box mm. of, I don't know what it was, it wasn't celebrations, it was something, big tub of sweets, because everyone's got the listening figures and they're all like, oh, yeah, celebration. Um, and I I just wolfed down loads of these sweets, right? And it yeah. gave me a bit of a whitey. And I thought I was going to, th- can you pass out just from having loads and loads of chocolate? Uh, when I was younger, I had a full uh, advent calendar in one go, and I, I, I was pretty ill that day. Dirty boy. Did your mum tell you yeah. off? She didn't know about it, no. I, you know, it's, it's not one of those things to, to fess up about why you're feeling so ill. Did you have to then fake opening the door I, each day? No, no, no. I like I had an extra advent calendar. <laughs> but it's really cheap chocolate, isn't it? It's like it is. horrid. I, um... I was never allowed when I was a kid. I was never allowed chocolate advent calendars. We just had the picture. Wow. Yeah, I know. I mean, it was the seventies and, and the early eighties, but um, they had you could get chocolate ones. I think in the seventies and the early eighties. I think certainly yeah. in the early eighties. I was aware of them. I was aware of them when I was about nine, ten, eleven. Um, but no, we just had the picture. And do you know what, Mike? We were happy with that. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm, 30, I'm 34. I remember just the picture days, just about. But I make sure that my 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 boys now they get the chocolate one, and also I buy myself because because my wife quite rightly likes to get a vaguely Christmassy one, you know, vaguely kind of Christmassy Jesus Father Christmas type thing. One. Yeah, yeah. Um, and they of course all want like uh, a Darth Vader one or something. So I make sure that I get a Darth Vader one, and then mm. I, I let them eat all my chocolates. Right. Well, I, I'm, a, I'm a school teacher, and one thing I do is we have, like, a spinning wheel of all the kids' names on. Yeah. And we spin it for each day. Yeah. And you get the chocolate. But if you're the last person, if you end up on, like, day 24, you get a, a full a full chocolate bar that I bought from the shop separately. Ooh. So if your name comes up, it's actually a little disappointment that you've got a tiny little kind of... So, and so once chocolate. that name has come up once, that name's taken off the Wheel of Justice... It's not, yeah, the Wheel of Justice, exactly, yeah. <laughs> I keep... What were we, I was playing something the other day where we had to spin a wheel. And I'm singing... You get, do you get the reference, the Vic Reeves reference? Maybe you're too young. There was a Vic Reeves... Well, no, 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 the Vic Reeves Big Night Out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Spin, yeah. spin, spin the Wheel of Justice. See it's how fast memory. the bastard turns. And I'm singing that with the boys, but of course I'm changing that, that swear word and to uh, mm. see how fast the, the thing turns or something. And so my boys now, whenever they have a game where they have a spinner, they'll sing the um, wheel of, spin the Wheel of Justice song. It's brilliant. I love it. Right, I'll have to try and introduce us that again without the naughty word. Without the naughty word. It's funny, isn't it, the weird things that kind of stick in the back of your head. So the name, that, so you get you get day three, that name's taken up. That, that means you must have 24 people in your class. Yeah, well, you you, you have to play it a little bit. I mean, I, I've got a form group, actually, because that's what we do it with. It's, it's less than 24. Oh, beautiful. So a, a couple of the chocolates just kind of go by the way. That's, that's a posh but, um, school, isn't it? No, it's not. It's 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 a good it's a good Catholic school. There we go. Um, there we uh, go. Yeah. Um, yeah. When you're doing past the parcel, right? 
do do you, quite a lot, as you, as you know. Yeah. Do you play by the industry standard rules where every kid gets a prize? Or do you play by the Catherine Boyle standard rules where it's just random and if someone gets three prizes and someone no, gets no, no prizes, it, it's tough? It, 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 it's one it's one prize per person and the kid's birthday because it is, he actually wins the, the you know. Yeah. The, the, oh. That never happened when I was growing up. It was you—you you got a piece of paper that you ripped off. That was it. There was no presents or sweets or anything in between the layers. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah. It, it, playing, being an adult responsible for pass the parcel using industry standard rules as I do, um, enough mm. stressful. Yeah, it's like pack. Can you pass it back? Please? I saw a dad. I saw a dad. There were two parcels going round at once, and he managed to make it work. It was brilliant. What? It was brilliant. It was like, it was, it was watching, I knew I was watching a master at the peak of his powers, because he, he had two parcels going around, different directions. One was going clockwise, one was going widdershins, and he managed to stop it, and each kid got one prize, and his kid got the two prizes. Somehow the, t- the two stopped on the same child for the final prize. It was, it was a thing of beauty, Mike. A thing of beauty. He needs to be found and cloned. Yeah, definitely. What have you got for us, Mike? Anyway, I, I just, I, I was, I'm worried, Ian, because I'm at the start of this journey. I mean, I'm, I'm, I've got a, a kid that's not even four months old yet, and, and you seem to be telling me that just things are going to get worse and worse, <laughs> and I've got nothing to look forward to. Well, no, things get better and better and better. Oh. Um, and you have everything to look forward to, and I'm sorry if I've given the impression that it's it's all going to be a nightmare. Um, but I, I just, I wonder if there is a peak pleasure point if there is a tipping point when um the, you know because because at the moment it's it's every day is growing pleasure growing pleasure growing pleasure there must be a, a, a tipping point when it kind of it's the, the, the growing pleasure stops but so the, the pleasure isn't cumulative it's not building up we're saying that that each fresh day is, 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 a, is a new kind of level playing field do you not, no, you know, I would say it's. I would say look, I would say it's accumulative. I think you've got to look forward to. Well, yeah, like them getting married and stuff. Oh, when are you getting married? What? When are you getting married? No, them getting married. Oh, them getting married. Okay. Yeah, I've you, got... you, I, 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 you know, I don't even know. Are you married? I'm married. Yes. Um, yeah, I, I know. I know Fandango. Yeah. I remember you from the old station. I rang up once at the old station. Oh. The old, the olden days. Oh, I've actually spent longer speaking to you in person than I have on the phone. Oh, um, stalker, stalker alert, guys! Where's no, no, no. You, you, you approached alert? me and you spoke and you, uh, twice. Was, trying to, was twice. I trying to score some drugs? No, no. We were watching. Um, oh gosh, what's his name? Um, oh, the Japanese earthquake had just taken place. Yeah. Was it Adam Hunt? We were watching Adam Hunt. Was it Adam Hunt at the garage? Yeah. What did I say to you there? I'm getting we very confused. We were talking confused. about bongos and congos. <laughs> <laughs> we, we couldn't work out uh, what it, what the big drum was called. The um, conga, the bonga, the congo. Uh, was that, that at the garage or was that in Camden? Did he have a full band or was he just playing on his Rickenbacker? Had I gone on stage no, and introduced just... him or or had I not? Yeah, yeah, you went on stage, yeah. Right, okay, right, that was, that was the night he was rude to me. Um, um, really? What did he do? What was rude? He was just because well, Adamant is, is, you know, is is um, is, is is mentally ill, um, and mm-hmm. I'd interviewed him a couple of times where he'd been 
charm personified, just the most delightful, delightful gentleman. And then I had to introduce him on stage at the garage in Islington in North London. And he was just, he was just very cold. And I think I said something to him. I think I said, oh, that's a great set, Adam. And he looked at me. You were mentally ill. Was that the line? (laughs) You're nuts, Ant! No, I said something, and he looked at me and just gave me this really withering look and ignored me, and I just thought, oh, okay, well, he's, he's, he's playing Adamant Rockstar now. Okay, that's fine. I still love him, and I'm still trying to get him on this show. We'd love to have Adamant on this show, but we've not been able to... Um, to make any inroads into um into you, getting you, you're on adamant about trying to get him on hey come on man that's what, all i've got what's that's what's going on what's going on hey i tweeted earlier on oh by the way dear listeners um no twitter no emails no text no periscope nothing tonight it's just the phone calls and the microphone but i did earlier on i tweet i found a great advert i was you know, falling down the rabbit hole on youtube and i was looking for the beach boys at wembley Mm-hmm. Um, and I found a great advert from 1975 with uh, it's Elton John was headlining at Wembley Stadium and he was supported by um, the Beach Boys, uh, yeah. Shaka Khan, um, Joe Walsh and the Eagles. And it's I just don't know Joe Walsh. Joe, well, Joe, Joe Walsh was a member of the Eagles. So this must be before Joe Walsh joined the Eagles. He also did a lot of cocaine. Um, in fact, when I saw the Eagles play, Joe Walsh was in the Eagles, and he had a Joe Walsh cam, which was a, a, a helmet with a were camera you, were on. You, were you on this YouTube hunt because of kind of uh, Brian being in the news about being in the wheelchair and going through the airport and stuff like that? No, oh, hang I on just... a second. What's this about Brian being in a wheelchair going through an airport? Oh, Brian Wilson was literally in a wheelchair being wheeled through, I don't know, LAA. LAX or whatever, yeah. and he was like waving to people. He was being curious and waving, but He's I don't old. know if you just saw the advert and thought, "Oh, that's got on YouTube." And no, I didn't. I didn't know that. Um, uh, but he's old. No, I was because it's because four, isn't he? Or something. Yeah, it's because I was look, uh, looking at getting tickets to see the Beach Boys at the Royal Albert Hall next year, and then I thought, "Oh, I wonder if the, when I saw them in Wembley, um, if any of that's up on YouTube." And it turns out it is. So I should be watching that. Well, not this weekend because I'm very busy. I should be watching that next weekend. Hmm. Mike, nice. To, did we get to, we got to your point, didn't we? Yes. Yeah, you, you basically uh, like uh, you know it gets worse for me and and, and um, <laughs> oh god, don't take that. To look forward to you know you know just take photo every day yeah, and, and then it. regret it's, you know look back at the previous day. You've got a miserable uh, and, miserable and life. How, how, how miserable, yeah. Mike? You have a miserable life ahead of you. You're absolutely right. I'm glad we managed to get that point across. Oh eight four 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 nine nine one thousand. I'm Ian Lee. This is Talk Radio. Late night conversation worth losing sleep over. Ian Lee on air and off the leash on Talk Radio. We have ways of making you talk. So, if you've gone online and you're thinking, well, why can't I watch the show tonight? Um, I thought we'd do an old-fashioned late night phone-in radio show so there's no twitter there's no periscope there's no emails there's no texts there's nothing all you've got is me um, a microphone and your phone calls that's it that's it um and we've had a lot of phone calls so we've not called you back don't be offended we might still yet call you back but um we've had a lot of phone calls haven't we kath thank you 0844-499-1000 is the telephone number. Ty's on the line. Evening, Ty. 
Evening, Ian. Good evening, Ty. What have you got for us this evening? Um, well, it's your apprentice correspondent. Now, hang, what? No, hang on a second. Are, are you my apprentice correspondent? I'm your trial. Trial correspondent tonight. I'm so confused as to who yeah. I... Because there was a, a, a woman... Was it, wasn't it Andrea? Was supposed to I thought, be... I thought you had a couple... You know, last time I spoke to you, you had a couple of guys that were auditioning. Because um, remember, I'm a week or so behind. Cause I'm yes, on the podcast. I've got it. I'm with you. Yes, we had uh, Rory from Ireland, who's That's we've it. never heard of since. God knows what no. happened to him. We had Simon, who I fired last week. And then I think oh. it was Andrea... Um, okay. Was going to do it tonight, know. but then she, but then she said, "I have a note from Andrea's mum." <laughs> I had a note from Andrea's mum. Basically, Andrea got in touch and said, "I think, I think she might not be very well tonight." And I said, "Andrea, Andrea, just this once, I'm going to let you off, but don't do okay. it again." So she's had, she's had a tough old day. So Ty, yeah. it's down to you. Well, um, I, I'll get on to that, but because I've been listening now oh. to the show, yes, I just wanted to say that I think because I'm a parent. And um, I really like was it Steve? Steve's call, the one before yeah. the last chap. I thought he hit it right on the head. And I was going to ask you a question about your kids, right? Because yeah. my two of mine are similar ages, and I've got one a bit older. Yeah. So you already mentioned, you touched on it slightly, how you've already forgotten, like, when they were one. Yeah. And, when they were three. and, and I think that's sort of the point, is that you, you can't really miss something can you, that you can't remember. So you you just, each year goes by, and you might sort of miss when they're not pronouncing words properly, you know, when it's quite cute, or their hair's a little bit funny. But then they're doing something which is even more amazing, and it just kind of rolls on. But I think Steve and another chap mentioned innocence. And for me, I think that's the thing. I think when they sort of lose that wide-eyed innocence, um... I think that's the thing that I'm going to miss the most. And my nine-year-old still has that. Uh, and and I'm sort of, I feel very blessed for that because there are plenty of nine-year-olds that don't have it, I think. But um, I think so. That's from, I just thought I'd just chip that in about yeah. parenting. No, I, I, um, <clears throat> I appreciate it. I, I appreciate what you're saying. And um, do you know what the, 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 the thing, and it's kind of, it, it's not too late to say it to my mum, but I do wonder sometimes how much of the stuff sinks in with my mum. I suddenly got it's too late for my dad. But being a parent, it gives you, it gives me a real respect for what my parents put up with. Not my dad, because he, he naffed off. But it, what my mum put up with in particular. For, mm. You know the the, the 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 trauma that I put her through, and it's, you know, again, it's the natural cycle. It's, it's what kids do to their parents. You know, it's, it's yeah, not not not, not uh, hanging my head in shame necessarily at the way I behaved. Um, but it's it's given me being a dad has given me a lot more respect for what my mum had to do, and also it's maybe understand a lot of the mistakes that my dad made. Yeah, well, it does do that, and you you know, you're worrying about what they might do in terms of the same things that you did, mm. well, you just got to look at, because I had a similar time in my 20s, uh, you just got to look at the fact that where are you now? I came through it, you navigated yourself through it, and, um, you know, for the most part, not everyone, but for the most part, that's what we did. So you know, they might experiment <clears throat> and they'll navigate their way through have it. You, do you find, though, right, that you turned into your dad? Because I have made... Um, 
I've, I'm more like my dad than I would ever want to be. And I have made a significant number of mistakes that my dad made before me 30 years ago, you know, 40 years ago. Mm-hmm. And I wondered how, if, it's weird, isn't it? You'd think, I always vowed, I'm never going to be like my dad. And I'm not going to do things that he did. Oh, what a surprise. I've ended up doing some of the things he did. Not all of them. And I've done some other different things that I don't think he did. But I kind of followed his path quite, quite closely. Uh, mm, well, you, you, but you're, I think you're referring to maybe some of the negative traits. Yeah. I'm guessing. Uh, my situation is slightly different, Ian. It's a unique and um i can't say that no because um my parents um i think the only the only sort of mistakes looking back now i think they made were made were sort of what i would call low grade mistakes in terms of you know day-to-day lifestyle choices but in terms of the big picture the philosophical picture they were all right the important stuff they were great they were brilliant oh good for you i'm very blessed to have had that so i have got a lot of their traits but I feel that they're all positive. Well, good for you. That's 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 yeah. very encouraging to hear. Yeah, very. Lu- I was very lucky. Ty, very lucky. what so, happened in the Apprentice tonight? Because I must admit, the first half an hour I was busy on the computer, and that I did. I don't know. I, I, I know. I know the South African woman walked out, didn't she? So we had. Oh, did you, so you did watch some of it, did you? I watched. I kind of watched. I, I, I kind of watched some of it, yeah, and I don't know who All left right. at the end. Spoiler okay. alert coming up soon, guys. By the way, guys, just so you Here's know. Here's what we got. So they, they threw in Alexandra doing the shock leave, right? Yeah. But obviously they had to frame it within the situation of them all sitting around. I mean, what's all that about? Why didn't she just disappear? That was yeah. a waste of time. Anyway, so she left, right? Well, why did she uh, leave? Because uh, she was missing home. Oh, for crying out loud. <laughs> if I was that. the BBC, I would invoice her for yeah. £50,000. <laughs> well, she said she wasn't enjoying it and she was missing home. Sugar gave a little bit of a, a dig at the end to say that she couldn't handle it. He should have given. He should have balled her out. She didn't enjoy it. It's The Apprentice. I know, but you know what I mean. Why didn't she, Why didn't she just disappear? They had yeah. to wait until they were doing, you know, picking PMs and all of that yeah. for her to make this sort of shock announcement. Clearly, she had already told the producers and everything. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. so she went right. No big deal. Um, and then, so, do you, I mean, I've got to fill you in slightly on the first half then, but you said you had your eye half on it. I was, so yeah, they, they, yeah, they're to, to sell stuff, didn't they? They went to Liberty in London. Yeah. They had to choose stuff to sell, and it broke down into two bits. They had to choose an item to sell, and then they also had personal shopping. Right. Right? So the two teams, Nebula, right, the sort of girls team that Claude's following, yeah. that was PM'd by Grania. Should have been I don't. Called. I don't know their names yet. So if you can describe like one yeah, facial feature or something. Uh, yeah. Well, listen. I've had to down because I can. I can't know the name. So Grania should have been called Granite Face. Bit of a Croydon facelift. I know exactly really, what you mean. Yep. Yeah. Right. You got her. Yes. So, <laughs> right. So she was PM'd. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and the, and then her sidekick for that task yep. was Bowtie. Okay, I've got, I've got you. I'm in. Yes, right. So Bowtie, oh, he's good. Ties, ties. This fella's good. I like him. Yes, go on. So right. So Bowtie, yeah. They had to choose basically between bags and scarves. Yeah. Now Bowtie put himself up as a bit of an expert in bags. Yeah. Because I don't know, he went and 
sort of flogged leather in Italy for a couple of years. In the same uh, way that James O'Brien says that um, he, he's worked in tailoring when he, he just did a summer job in Burton's. It's that kind of thing, yeah? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so, so he puts himself up as bag expert, right? So he's telling um, Granite Face, yes. you've got to go for bags, right? Yeah. That's, that's the essence of that. Now, on the side, they've also got to do personal shopping. Yeah. So they put Alana, or Alana, who's the baker, the nervous baker from last week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She goes up as personal shopper front girl. Yeah. Right? Makes a terrible job of it. Terrible job of it. Um, so this is all in the kind of build-up. Now, on the other team, right, the Titans, who Karen's following, you've got uh, Sofian. Do you remember Sofian? No. Slightly sort of, uh, I think he's sort of Asian, small. Talks oh, he looks. He looks like he's from Iran. Yes, so I don't know. Is that a racist thing to say? I make up. He's Iranian. I don't no. know. No, but he he could have been. Yeah, you know, he's more likely to be from Iran than he is from Norway. Thank you. Just by, Thank that's slightly, you. That's slightly racist, mm. but you know what I'm saying. It's so the good racism. The, it's a good racism. It's a just you know, it's an easy. You've got you've got 120 racism. seconds left. Oh my god! All right. So anyway. So they get in there, That's two um, they basically make a bit of a balls up of it all. Yeah. What, you know, they keep you hanging. So one team does well on what on the shop floor, yeah. but really crap in the personal shopping. Vice versa on the other side. It gets to boardroom. Yeah. Right? Titans win. Which, now, which one's Titans? With the, now, Titans Titan, of the bow tie? Titans, no, no, no. Titans, Sofian, right? right? Okay, yeah. Iranian. He's done nothing. He's been rubbish. Ooh, Poor old granite face. Jammy. Yeah, and bow tie. Yeah. They're absolutely gutted. Yeah. So he, so now they, they is, and it's, they're out by about a bag. Where did the they're, winners get sent to, to for their for their trip? Uh, where did they get sent to for their trip? That's a good question. I can't remember. Okay, that's two fine. hours ago. Oh, they played croquet, didn't they? It was croquet. Oh yeah, that's it. Croquet. It yeah. It was all really competitive. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, anyway, you know, gets, have I got time to tell you gets fired? You got a minute? Yeah, but I just say those trips are always rubbish, aren't they? They're, they're crap. Why, they're why doesn't up. he just say, all right, guys, you've won. You it's go back to the house, Netflix and chill. Why doesn't he say that? <laughs> Orgy time. Yeah! You guys, yeah. I'm gonna, I've got you some, um, some herbal Something. Viagra. Yeah. Get, it, get going. Yeah. Anyway, go well, on. Uh, yeah, so, boardroom, right? Yeah. So, um, Sofian's looking very smug. He's done nothing, but he's got away with it. Yeah. So then it comes to, like, who's guilty? Granite Face is getting asked, who are you going to bring back? So she goes for... You've got 30 seconds. Uh, she goes for Karthik. Oh, God, I'm not going to... This is the best bit, though. you got eyebrows. you got you got eyebrows and you got bow tie. <laughs> she almost she almost went for Ardman Girl, the blonde one. It looked yeah. like an Ardman animation. Yeah, yeah. But she kept flip-flopping her, uh, her mind. you got 20 and seconds. Bow tie. And in the end, they got fired. He fired bow tie for giving Granite Face the wrong information about the bags. <sighs> And Granite Face gets away with it. And eyebrows, it. eyebrows stayed. Eyebrows is on last chance. Unbelievable tie. Fair. That was superbly done, sir. Thank you very much indeed. So bow tie is gone. Who'd have thunk it? Jim the dancer, stay there. Going to talk to you after this. Across the UK, online and on DAB. We are talk. Talk radio. Give it some lip. Talk Radio. Another hour to go. Jim the Dancer is going to be up first. We'll have Miles Hunt from The Wonder Stuff, and it's an excellent interview. And we'll have some of your calls. I'm Ian Lee. This is Talk Radio. Late night, Ian Lee on Talk Radio. We have ways of making you talk. 
well, 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 it's the last hour of the show. Don't forget, um, you can download the podcasts of the show. Um, you can go to iTunes and type in Ian Lee Talk, or another place you can get it from is Acast, which is an excellent service, and it's where uh, Scroobius Pip um, does his podcast. And I'm going to be on it in, I don't know, two weeks, three weeks, something like that. I'll let you know. It's another chat about me wanting to kill myself, guys. That's all. Don't get excited. It's me talking about wanting to kill myself. That's that's pretty much all it is. So don't get too excited, guys. We talk about me wanting to kill myself and Limmy. That's it. We, we just fanboy about Limmy. And um, it's weird that Vine is going, isn't it? Uh, Vine was a strange... Thing you know the thing where you can make a little seven-second um, film, and I never really got Vine. I used it occasionally. I use it occasionally, but I never really quite worked out how to use it effectively. And I talk about Limmy a lot, who's a Scottish comedian, but I, I think he's brilliant, and um, he's been posting his Vine videos that he's made. And they're all hilarious. The amount of dark humour... The amount of dark humour that you can cram into a six or seven second clip is incredible, really. And um, he was kind of a a master at it. But Vine... What did I do on Vine? Well... Um, LBC used to um, do these awful Vine videos to try and promote their shows. It was obviously a young person, or, or, or maybe not a young person, an old person. What is this thing called Vine? Why don't you use this to, uh, to plug the shows? And you'd get um, Ian Dale and James O'Brien, who I have a lot of love and respect for both of those gentlemen, but doing awful little videos. Quite often, you'd hear the producer going, Go! Coming up on the show tonight! And you... <laughs> You'd hear that, and so me and Kath were at the BBC would um, would 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 take the Mickey out of those and film little videos for that. I also filmed. I remember vining something of Mick Jagger on the tele. I don't. I don't know what. I don't really know what it was, but it's a strange um, thing that it's gone. And Twitter is getting rid of a significant number of its staff. And Twitter is um, is struggling a bit, really, because um, they haven't found a way to monetize. You know, everyone says, you know, everyone uses Twitter. It's peaked. It, the, 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 the number of new users has kind of leveled off. And they can't find a way to monetize it. They tried adverts on there. They tried sponsored tweets. And it doesn't work. No one wants to pay for it. Whereas Facebook have managed to make make it work in terms of finances i've taken out paid adverts on facebook for the record label i run i run a little record label called 7a records and we put out um obscure stuff by by of course the monkeys um and it's a nice little hobby that me and my friend glenn do 7a records.com if you want to go and have a little look at our, our merchandise it's a nice little hobby that me and my friend do and, and and it's got to a stage now where we've invested a couple of grand each and we've made a little bit of that back, and now it's kind of self 
perpetuating and, and uh, all the money we make goes back into it. And every now and then, if we're feeling flush, we had a big release last week of this um, Mickey Dolenz CD, the MGM Singles Collection. Very beautiful CD. And uh, so we took out... Facebook have, uh, uh, very cleverly changed the algorithms. And what that meant was, if you were on Facebook as a business and you put a link to um, an Amazon... Uh, uh, you know, something on Amazon or something on eBay or something, something, something. Their algorithms were... I think I've got this right. Maybe you're listening and you can explain this better. But their algorithms worked such that that post would get hidden and lots of people wouldn't see it. So if you're a small business, they would encourage you to take out adverts. And sometimes those posts would catch the wind and if it was a you know it would catch the wind and if you put um share this and to for a chance to win it kind of goes up a bit um but but you can pay for adverts you can spend like 15 quid or something and you can specify the age group and in what countries you want and what interests they'll have and i don't know how effective those adverts are but um it shows bigger numbers and you know we as humans we like bigger numbers so I'm guessing it's doing something. Um, so Facebook has found out a way to make money and to, um, uh, uh, you know, to earn a few quid. But but Twitter hasn't. And I don't really see how it can. And if Twitter doesn't make money, I can kind of see Twitter closing down at some point in the next five years. Because what if it's not making money... How do, if, if you're listening and you know, because it must be making some money because they employ something like 900 people and they're getting rid of 100 of them, something like that. Um, so if you know how it does make money, 0844 499 1000. Do you remember there was a furore a couple of years ago because people were getting celebrities, and by celebrities, I mean people like Joey Essex. And the Towie people and the Made in Chelsea people, they were um, getting paid money by companies to tweet, had a great night at, um, at the Jimmy Choo launch. Love my hashtag Jimmy Choo's. I've done tweets like that. I, I, I'm, I'm not ashamed to admit it. I have um, was at an event and they said, if you tweet how great this game is, we'll give you a free Xbox. Yeah, not a problem with that. Not a problem. Not a problem with that. It was also an event where I met R2-D2, the real R2-D2, and I recorded an interview with him. And I had my my laptop on shuffle a, a few months ago, and it just popped up, me talking to R2-D2. But I hadn't labelled it as anything. It was just a voice memo from my phone, and I hadn't labelled it. So I can't find it to play it to the boys. I'll have to dig it out because the boys would love that. 0844... 499-1000 is the telephone number. I think we've had more phone calls tonight than we've had all week put together. Um, and lots of new phone calls. We didn't call you back. I, I humbly apologise. What have we spoken about? Black magic? Jadoo? Kids? Um, and whatever else you want to talk about. On Sunday, if you want to talk about this t- tonight and um, tomorrow, you're more than welcome to. On Sunday, Catherine and I are hosting... What could become a, a, a semi-regular event. We've got another one lined up in Christmas. At Christmas, which is sold out. We've got another one lined up for February, where we've sold 13 tickets already. Um, but we're hosting an event called Performance Ring. 
And it was inspired by Jim the Dancer, who's a guy who used to phone me at various other places, and he's um, he's an artist. He's an artist, an actual artist, in as much as he has got it into his crazy head that he wanted to make videos of him dancing to various different songs. And uh, if you go on YouTube and type in Jim the Dancer, you'll see he's done hundreds of these things, OK? And initial look, you watch it and go, oh, this guy's nuts. Yeah, but he's the good nuts. He's the good nuts, right, where he's had an idea and he's seen it through. And he has made hundreds of these videos, and it was in his mate's um, his mate's garage, and his mate sadly passed away recently, which is what kind of gave me the idea for performance ring. Um, and it's him dancing to different songs. But not only does he just... He doesn't just dance to different songs. That would be easy. He um, He builds sets... And he makes costumes, and he wears them, and he performs it, and it's art. It, I don't know what kind of art it is, but it's art. And um, I went round and, and, and filmed a video with him as well. If you type in Jim the Dancer and Ian Lee on YouTube, you'll, you'll find a video. And uh, it's a really decent bloke, and he phoned up, and we were chatting. And it, it, he's it, now that his friend has passed away, he's kind of limited for his outlets. And that's what gave me the idea for Performance Ring. And it's happening this Sunday, and it's sold out. And Jim the Dancer's on the line now. Evening, Jim. Hello, Ian. How are you? Hi. I'm all right, thank you. I hope you don't mind me describing you as a bit nuts, but you are. And that's what makes this the, you, what you do so beautiful. Yeah, thanks, Ian. Uh, think... Yeah, well, it's a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity I've got, you see, with my friend, and I've done it. Yeah, you did it. How, how, how many of those videos did you make? I made 552 altogether. Come on. And that is... Um... What was? Do you remember what the first one was that you did? Yeah, the first one was uh, Jim the Dancer Part One. It's just dancing with ordinary Halloween mask in a garage. Yeah. Uh, so basically, I started off because I never got enough dancing space at the disco. Yeah. And then I went on to make more and more. And then we started introducing pictures and costumes and stuff. And then we just got better and better at it. And we was. Uh, Sort of like spending quite a lot of time on one particular video to make it even better still. Yeah. Um, and your friend passed away. Yes. Um, uh, how are you doing around all of that stuff? Are you, are you um, all right? Uh, it's let me des- devastated, you know. I mean, yeah. I'm in a state of shock. I'm going through his grave every day of the week. Oh, And dear. looking through his windows, remembering what, what we went through and everything, you know. So I'm pretty... Uh, destroyed over it, but uh, I'm trying to sort of make my way back into life in a way. What happened to his? He had loads of cats, didn't he? Yeah, the, the cats went into the Cats Protection League to get rehoused, okay. and that broke my heart as well. Yeah, well, at least I, I got my cat years ago from the C- Cats Protection League. They're a good bunch, and they will at least the cats will go to a, d- a good home because they the Cats Protection League always go and check out. I had to have a woman come round and look at my house, and she interviewed me and did all of that kind of stuff. So. They'll they'll yeah. have gone somewhere good, and they they don't the cats protection league don't put cats down either. I don't think so. They'll yeah, have gone somewhere great. good. Um, because uh, that, go on. that's one of the one of these cats that was in the Cat Night Fever video. It's Sheba, <laughs> one of his younger cats. <laughs> oh, I love it! I love it! It's art, Jim. What you do is art. You're an artist. Yeah, thanks, Ian. Uh, I, I had a problem that I had to ring up about. <laughs> uh oh! Hang on a minute! Hang on a minute! Hang on a minute! What you are you coming Sunday night? I want to come Sunday, but I've trouble getting there. Go that's on. The why, why is that? What's the, what, what, what's the problem? Uh, I've no transport, and I don't fancy travelling 
by a push bike on uh, Halloween night, basically. No, you're right. It's going Whereabouts are you coming from? Uh, Streatham. I don't I know. Where is... Um... Uh, can, can you get the tube? Uh, not really, no. <laughs> why, why can't you get the tube? Uh, I don't travel by underground or buses. Why don't you travel by underground or buses, Jim? What's the problem? Uh, I don't know. I just you get a bit get nervous. Up. Uh, not really. I just uh, just don't like it. Right. Okay. Let me get my thinking hat on. Okay. Um, how much would a cab cost? Uh, I'll probably a fortune now. Hmm. This is going to be tricky. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's, but 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 that doesn't mean it's insurmountable, Jim. Um, uh, I tell you what, Catherine, take Jim's number. Um, let g- g- give me twenty four hours. Have a little think on it, Jim. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. G- g- t- give me twenty four hours. Um, okay. And we will see if we can sort something out. If we can't sort something out for this one, yes. We'll definitely sort something out for the Christmas one on December the 11th. Are you around then? Yeah, OK, then. Yeah. All right, but, 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 but don't write off this Sunday. Let me have a little think and see what I can come up with, OK? OK, I'm sorry to tell you that, Ian. I, that I thought about it all. Jim, Jim, um, j- honestly, mate, don't don't worry. I want you to be happy and I want you to be comfortable. Um, yeah. I appreciate you telling me. I'm not angry in the slightest. I will... Let's have a little think. Yeah, I didn't want to let you down because you're such a good man. Oh, listen, don't you don't you worry about me. We've got thanks to you. It, it would be nice to have you there at the first one because you were kind of the inspiration for it. And we have got so many weird and wonderful acts turning up. Um, it will be great for you to be a part of it. If we can't make it that you're a part of this one, we will definitely yeah. sort something out for the Christmas one. All right. Okay, Ian. I've yeah, got a lot of time for you, Jim. I think you're 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 one of the good guys, and um, I want you to be comfortable and happy. All right. Well, that's very kind of you. Thanks. I thought I'd let you know. All right, mate. Listen, I'll speak to you tomorrow. Yeah, thanks Take very care, much. Bye bye. We'll sort something out. We'll, we'll we'll sort something out. Don't worry. Um, this is Talk Radio. I'm Ian Lee. Uncut after hours conversation for the up all night generation. Late night, Ian Lee. On Talk Radio. We have ways of making you talk. Get rid of the get rid of the music. <clears throat> well, well, well. What have we got here? Look what the cat's dragged in. Hello. <laughs> Hi, Ian. Um, I'm sorry about last week. I, I couldn't be the apprentice correspondent, but your bloke is really good. So I'm glad you've got someone eventually. I did. I did. I did watch it. I didn't get a chance to watch it last week. I was working, so I couldn't. I couldn't um, phone in. And then I, I arrived in, and I turned video on, and I heard you talking about the bloke, and um, talking to the bloke who had the press release and everything. And and then I had to work, and I couldn't phone in, and I hadn't watched it, so I didn't want to compound your agony by by um, confusing the situation anymore. And so 
very sorry. I'm very, I'm very sorry. I'm very sorry. It could have been could have been great, but it's great, and I love these descriptions of of the people's faces and everything, and bow tie and and um, what was the other one? The granite face, and uh, she she was good. The woman and uh, the pub looks good, but um, yeah, it's it's great, isn't it? It was a standard episode of The Apprentice tonight. tonight. So um, yeah. Did you? Yeah, that's that's cool. Good show. I can hear myself echoing in the kitchen from the other room. The seven seconds delay. I liked your impression of me the other night. I didn't actually like your impression of me. Your impression of me was quite sort of standardy Irish. Do you want me to do an impression of you? <laughs> do you want me to do it? <laughs> do you want me to do it? No, I'll do... Um, I'll do, uh, I do, an impression, I do... No, I can't do an impression of you. Um, I'll, do, I'll do your music. Do you, want, I'll do, I'll do, you know your music? I could do. I could be the bad, the bad of music. You know the... And and with through a late night radio show, 
Um, so Julia Hartley Brewer is doing well, isn't she? She doubled her listener figures as well. That's good. Good of Julia. Oh, did you hear LBC this morning? No, James. Uh, what do you call the bloke? Rad, Mad, oh, I don't want to get his name wrong. Majid Nawaz. He's standing in for. He's he um he's standing for James O'Brien, and all these people wanted the mystery hour to be on, and Majid Nawaz didn't do the mystery hour. He's like, I'm not doing the mystery hour. I'm not doing it. Um, but he could have. He could have done it. He could have done the mystery hour. Why did he not just go and? Say, or maybe the producer said, um, "Oh, don't do the mystery art. Don't worry about that." But I bet he was really angry with the producer then for like not doing the mystery art. Oh, this week's on. Guess who it is? It's Alan Johnson and uh, Michael Portillo. Do you know what the colour shirt Michael Portillo was wearing? I'm actually listening to this, watching this later than everyone else because of the um, delay in Northern Ireland. But um, yeah, project fear. All that stuff, you know. I got my driving theory test on on Monday. Do you want to hear one of the questions? So you're going through a congested tunnel and have to stop. What should you do? Pull up very close to the vehicle in front to save space. Ignore any message signs as they're never up to date. Keep a safe distance from the vehicle in front, or make a U-turn and find another route. I'm reading these questions, and um, I actually did the theory test before and passed it, but. I waited two years and the time is up to do the driving test, so I have to do it again now. Um, you're going through a congested tunnel, have to stop. What should you do? Um, I don't think... They always have a sort of funny one, don't they? Pull up very close. Round, and we have the Polish film poster round, 
and we have Vajazzle or Dizzy Rascal, so you see a close-up of a picture and you have to decide whether it is a Vajazzle or a close-up of Dizzy Rascal's face. We also have the Korg, Corgi, the Borg or Formby Round, so you'll listen to audio samples and then you have to decide what they are. So, let's just do this quiz now. Oh, I don't, don't want to turn myself up. I'm still on the friggin' radio. Jesus. Um, <sighs> do you have news? Do you have news at, at, at half at half one? Or anything? Well, one of the rounds we also have is what well, I sing a popular song. And with different lyrics, and people suggest what it's going to be about. In such a long, long time, not since that brand new pair of Levi's, back when I was eight or nine.
Late night, Ian Lee on Talk Radio. We have ways of making you talk. minutes of the show. I like my new bed. <laughs> Thanks, uh, Rory and Catherine. Um, well, we've got three minutes to take a call, but I, I, no one will want to call up in, in for just three minutes' worth of chat. Would they? Would they? If you want to call up, you've got three minutes, you'll go straight to air. It's up to you. Um, tomorrow night at um, 10 o'clock, We've got Glenn Berger, who's written this brilliant book, Never Say No to a Rockstar. At 11 o'clock, we shall hopefully, hopefully, uh, we'll be speaking to Mr. Bastafire. Um, and then after midnight tomorrow, it's called Straight to Air. We can squeeze Carl in before we go to um, uh, Miles Hunt from The Wonder Stuff. Yes, Carl? Hello. Um, I've got a few questions I wanted to ask you, but I don't know if you've got enough time. So, oh, God, let's see. Well, we we got two minutes, Carl. We got plenty of time. All right. Then, first question is: um, Why have you never been on a reality TV show? Um, well, oh, cool. That's a good question. Um, I, I did Celebrity Come Dine with me. That's the closest I came to it. That's but, not. Uh, no, it's not really. They've asked me to do Big Brother, and they've asked me to do I'm a Celebrity four times. Mm. Um, I'm quite private and I'm quite personal. I don't like the idea of exposing. You know my private yeah. life to the scrutiny, but never say never. Because you said Big Brothers, you said work on Big Brother, didn't you? Yeah. That was you, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what happened there? Why did you leave that? They just, like, I, they just got rid of me. They didn't want me back. Well, and they preferred Ryland Clark. Oh, right. I like Ryland. I think Ryland's. I think Ryland's good. But yeah, that's that's the way they wanted to. They, you know, I, I always felt I was a little bit too old to be presenting that show. Right. Because it's all young people. It's all kids. And you used to be on the eleven o'clock show, didn't you? As yes, well, yeah? I did. Yeah, it was fifteen years ago. Is Dave, where, what's happened to Daisy Donovan? Does <laughs> she work or not? I don't know. I know these are probably boring questions. No, 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 it's not. It's okay. fine. Um, I know that she's married to Dan Mazer, who is the gentleman who was the brains behind um, Ali G and Borat. So right. they are very... And she came from a very wealthy family, so she, they are very comfortable. Work-wise, career-wise, I have no idea what she's up to, but I'm, um, I wish her the best of luck. Lee Collins, well, I know he was in trouble, but yes. is he working or not? Um, I don't know, but I tell you what... I um, heard Alan Carr talking you very kindly. You should interview kind- him. Well, who? Alan Carr? No, Justin Lee Collins. Possibly. But mm. I heard I heard Alan Carr speaking very kindly about Justin Lee Collins on Radio 4 the other day. Carl, right. we, I hope we answered some of the questions. Um, maybe call in tomorrow and we'll, we can give all of those. I'm happy to look at all of those a, 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 a little bit more. My listening figures are up 50%, 50%, imagine. I mean, it's from a low base point, but still, it's a, a big leap. So thank you for that. So, um, Catherine, I thought we'd play some of the older interviews that some of the newer listeners may not have heard um, before. Uh, and the one we're going to play tonight is Miles Hunt from The Wonder Stuff, who um, I was always a little bit scared of, but it turns out, like all of these people, he's absolutely delightful and charming and, and hilarious. Miles Hunt, it's a delight to speak to you, sir. Uh, we have spoken before, and I, I, I just need to say this again, because I still feel uncomfortable. The first time we ever had physical, well, not physical contact, but contact, <laughs> we were having an argument on Twitter. Were we? Yeah, now, you don't remember it, and I'm kind of glad, because I was, I was, a, I was being, I'm going to say it, Miles, I was being a dick. 
I can't believe that of you. With respect, sir, you were being a dick back. <laughs> what was so, it about? Tell me. Oh, I, do you really want to know? Yeah. Okay, years and years ago, not years and years ago, but a while ago, I came and saw you at the forum and you didn't play Size of a Cow. Really? Yeah, I don't think you did. And I stuck around for two encores. And I held <laughs> that bitterness for ages, right? And I, I was just being a... Uh, I, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to improve as a human being, but I was being a snarky idiot on Twitter, as it's very easy to do. Yeah, we all fall into that occasionally. And someone then... And I said, oh, I saw the Wonder Stuff once, and they didn't play Size of a Cow. And someone then sent that to you, and then we got into some quite unpleasant banter, to the point where my sister who is a big fan of mine, turns out she's a bigger fan of yours. <laughs> she said, she sent me an email saying, Ian, I cannot in any way support you in this battle. Please stop fighting with Miles Hunt. <laughs> and it was silly and it was a spat. I'm, I, I would imagine, and I, I, I apologise, I'm, I'm dreadfully embarrassed and I'm trying to improve my Twitter behaviour. Do you get idiots like me on Twitter a lot? Cause, because you're in the public eye and because, you know, you, you are a, a singer and a songwriter and a pop star, do you get people having a pop? Not really, no. I, I, I get it more in real life than I do on Twitter. <laughs> but, I, you know, I'm, I'm 30 years into it now, so I'm kind of used to it. Well, this is this is the thing, man. The, the Wonder Stuff are 30 years old. How the hell did that happen? Oh, mate, if I could only tell you. I mean, yeah, I, I'm very proud of it, but it does feel bizarre. I mean, I, I remember when I was buying records, you know, in the late 70s, like New Wave and punk stuff that I was into, late 70s, early 80s, and, you know, if you mentioned a band that was 10 years old, you'd go... Well, why don't they split up? How yeah. can they possibly be relevant to anything? Yeah. And then here we are, 30 years old. Well, it's, that, it's the, 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 the who, isn't it? The Hope I Die Before I Get Old, and they're singing that, you know, and they're all sort of 73 years old. It's that strange, uh, strange thing. What, what kind of music were you buying then? What, what, what were the records that a, a young Miles Hunt was getting well, into? Well, the late 70s, well, I mean, it all started with glam rock for me. My Uncle Bill was in Wizard. He played keyboards in Wizard. S- excuse me? Hang on My a second. My Uncle Bill played keyboards in Wizard. Come on, man, read the biography. <laughs> Everybody knows that about me. I didn't know that. Really? Yeah, I didn't know that. That must have been the coolest thing, having an uncle as a pop star. Oh, it was fantastic. I used to get all the free merchandise. I used to go to, you know, my junior school with big wizard badges and <laughs> T-shirts and all that type <laughs> of stuff. Yeah. Oh, fantastic. That was brilliant. And what? then, you know, and he, he could regale us with stories of Top of the Pops and hanging out with Slade and... All sorts, yeah, it was great. So it sort of started there for me. Did that plant the seed then? Of you thinking, oh, I, f- I fancy a bit of that? Absolutely, right. yeah, yeah, I did. It did. I tell a story in my book. I've written a book about the first four years of the Wonder Stuff and like the early sort of period of me getting into music. And one of the stories I tell is, I think it was 1974, so I'd be about seven or eight years old, and I came downstairs uh, in our house, you know, to get ready for school, and mum and dad are getting ready for work, and my brother's getting ready for school, and to get through to our kitchen to have our breakfast, you had to go through the lounge, and, and this particular morning there were five hairy men lying on the floor. And um, it later turned out that it was five members of Wizard. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, I mean, you know that, what I mean? that is just fantastic. So, uh, so you know, I'm asking him, what, what's Uncle Bill and all his <laughs> friends doing? And, you know, it occurred to me, we're up at like half eight, polishing shoes and ramming cornflakes down our throats, and these guys have got no intention of moving before <laughs> midday. Was Uncle Bill, was, it, was that your mum's brother? Uh, dad's brother. Dad's brother. When you started to get into the business, yeah. prop, you know, seriously start working at it, did your parents go, oh no, not another one, not, not another <laughs> Uncle Bill? <laughs> no, not at all. No, they were, because I'd failed so miserably academically, they were, they were just happy that, you know, uh, I'd found an interest that kept me off the street. <laughs> 
<laughs> and how did how did you get that band together? Was it that thing that you 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 know you were playing a guitar in the school playground and someone came out and said, "Oh, I can play I can play guitar as well." Is that how it worked? Not really. I mean, that's how the early bands were. Yeah, definitely. You know, you like let's form a band, and then the conversation is, well, "What are you going to play? What am I going to play?" I did that before the Wonder Stuff. Yeah, exactly. Exactly as you described it, really. But yeah, the Wonder Stuff was. Um, you know, I I was uh, I knew a couple of guys that I'd played drums for because I was a drummer first. Right. And uh, and then I heard that they'd sacked me as their drummer, and then I heard that they were. Um, looking for a singer and I'd, I'd sort of kept an eye on the grapevine in local pubs you know that they were auditioning various guys that were, no one was fitting the bill and when I knew that there was nobody left in town uh, <laughs> I asked them if they'd let me ever go bearing in mind that they'd sack me as their drummer not because I was a bad drummer just because I had a bad attitude I well, <laughs> well we may come <laughs> back to your attitude in. in a minute I think you're you're too good looking for a drummer Oh, I'm trying to. Th- I'm trying to think of another good-looking drummer. Listen, Pete Best. They got rid of Pete Best from the Beatles because he was too good-looking. Not because he really? couldn't drum. Uh, Pete the Freighters from the Bunny Men, sadly no longer with us. He was a very handsome yeah, man. Yeah, g- beautiful boy. Yeah, I'll give you that. Uh, Don Powell from Slade was cool. Yeah. You know, whether he'd call that sort of classically handsome, I don't know, but he was very cool. Hey, have you seen? You, pr- you probably have seen. You probably went to the premiere. Slade in Flame, their film they made. I saw it, um, I didn't go to the premiere, I was about six years old. <laughs> oh, okay, old. right. Um, no, I, was, I wasn't, I was about n- uh, nine or ten. Oh, it's brilliant, it's one of the greatest films ever made for so many reasons. Uh, obviously, it's got all four members of Slade in it, and it's yeah. one of the rare uh, rock or pop movies that are made, where bands try to act, and they actually yeah. pull it off. It's like Kez, for rock and roll band. And people, you mention it to people who go, what, film with Slade, and that'll be rubbish. No, 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 it's, br- it's really dark. It really is. It, to me, it's like... It's captured that you know those uh, like things like uh, Taste of Honey, L-shaped yep. room, uh, kind of loving all those films that Morrissey's probably staying in to watch tonight. <laughs> it's it's like in the great lineage of that. It's a brilliant British movie, like observing what England, Britain was like at the time, um, and they actually pull off the acting. Yeah, thing. they do. They really do. And it, it, it's such a grim film, and I I, I, sh- I show it to people from time to time. Right. And they go, oh, flipping it. This is this is actually brilliant. You know, it's not a hard day's night. It's is dirty and dark yeah really yeah and and you know i think pre- i think i can't believe anyone funded it really because at the time you know everything looked like it was rosy in slade's god i know dave i've spoken to dave hill slade's guitarist right and he hated it really yeah and he hated it why they were making it he hated the script he wanted to make a big showbiz movie you know? yeah uh, but the rest of the lads were into this, OK, this could actually give us a bit of credibility, and, and, and indeed it did. You didn't make a movie, The Wonder Stuff, but you did have a concert film, didn't you? We did a thing called a rockumentary, Ian. Oh, OK, uh, excuse <laughs> me, thank you very much. <laughs> it was just a mate of mine that was, uh, he wanted to go into documentary filmmaking and had no idea how he could fund uh, his first documentary, so... I said, well, let me talk to our record company and see if I can talk them out of a decent amount of money. And you could just practice making documentaries by following us around for a year, uh, which is what it did. And um, it's had compliments from really interesting places. Like, I remember hearing that um, Andrew Eldridge, the singer of Sisters of Mercy, mm. who you wouldn't expect to be a Wonderstuff fan. And, and this is, you know, the film's all made around the time that we're enjoying our cheesiest sort of pop commercial moment with yeah. Size of a Can, Cheap Season, Dizzy and all that. And apparently he, he, he loved it and felt compelled enough to tell me. I don't remember the incident. I must confess I was drunk. Good for you. And uh, wow. I think I was a bit rude to him because I thought he was taking the mickey out of me by saying, I think your film's really good. Um, 
But and I, I think I've read somewhere Tom York from Radiohead was wow. a fan of it, you know, before they got going, before he lost his sense of humour, shall we say. <laughs> Can I pick you up on something there? When you said your cheese, you, you know, your cheesiest kind of height of pop fame. Yeah. Is, is that how you view that? Did you feel that those, the, the big hits, the Dizzy with, with Vic and Bob mm-hmm. and the Cheap Seats and Size of a Cow, did you feel that some, I'm going to use, I'm going to use the word integrity, so get ready for it. Did yeah. you feel that you'd lost a bit of your integrity with that, <laughs> or was that always the master plan to kind of get there? No, I mean, I always wanted, I, I, I didn't think at the very beginning, like first two albums, I didn't think I could write pop songs. And then by the third album, I suddenly discovered that I could write not traditional ABBA, Beatlesque pop songs, but I could write something that had a greater popular appeal than I thought I was capable of. And, you know, I'm a huge fan of great British pop, whether that's going, you know, from the kinks through all all of, you know, the crazy stuff of the glam rock. And I like, you know, I I, I mean, I still like me Joy Division and the Echo and the Echo and the Bunnymen at the same time, but I do like pop music. And I, you know, I love madness. and, and, And I suppose I thought there's nothing wrong with just having some good old British Pop wrong, pop British pop song writing fun, and I still like the songs, and um, and they've served me well, uh, and I don't mind, mo- you know, on the new album. There's a track called "For the Broken Hearted," which is probably the most frivolous on there, but it's not as frivolous as, say, "Size of a Cow" or um, or "Cheap Seats." But it's still part of me that, you know, I like sort of serious rocking, but that feels kind of stupid to say, whereas. It's easier to confess to I like fun in songs. Yeah, I, pop pop is a dirty word. I don't know why. You know, mm. I don't, I, my, my favourite band is is the Monkees, right? So I got teased mercilessly at school. Right. So I'm used to I, the, the thing. If, if it's good music, I like it. You know, exactly. I'm not, I don't I don't care if it's cool or not. Yeah, yeah, and I don't need. You know, I I I, I didn't mind that on the Clash's third album that they brought in acoustic guitars, and you know, I don't mind changes. I I, I don't. It's, I've never re. This is going to sound terrible, but I've never really been able to stick with the Buzzcocks. I was never able to really stick with the Ramones because it just seemed to me like I always knew what I was going to get. Yeah, yeah. And the bands that I've, you know, when the Bunny Men got round to Killing Moon, who knew they were going to do that? You know, it was it was a departure from the other stuff that they, or in the sound, not in the songwriting. But I, you know, I don't mind. And like I say. Glam rock, Britain was coming out with some great pop songwriting in, in the 70s, and, and it had an effect on me. The album, 30 yeah. Goes Around the Sun. Yeah. Uh, it came out on March the 19th. I, I, I'm, I'm looking at your notes here. I've been sent your notes. Okay. Released 30 years to the day since the band first walked into a rehearsal studio. Is that true, or is that just it's a little bit of showbiz magic? True. Come on, come on. Yeah. No, no, it's absolutely true. March the 19th, uh, 1986, I borrowed... Uh, a guitar and a, and a little amplifier from my mate, and uh, and I went to audition for what was our guitarist, our old guitarist band at the time. Uh, and I rem- I have all this stuff written down. It might seem a bit nerdy, but it's again it served me well. I kept mm-hmm. diaries all through my teens and, and through the early years of the band, and um, and I've written a book called The Wonder Stuff Diaries. And I know for a fact that it was about six p.m. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I like the nineteenth. And here's another thing. I know I keep talking about Slade, but here's another odd thing. When I was looking up for, for when I was writing my book, other interesting things that happened on March the 19th in any year. 
Uh, and that's also the inaugural day of Slade. Slade say they had their first oh. gig as Ambrose Slade. Ambrose Slade, of course, um, yeah. And they were a skinhead band. Yeah, yeah, which yeah. was um, March 1966. There we, you see, the stars are aligning. Let's find out what else magical happened <laughs> on those days. Can, how could... I can understand... Right, 30 years into it, I'm, you know, I'm not a musician, so I can understand doing live gigs, because, hey, it pays the bills, and also it must be a lot of fun with that, that, that audience right in front of you. It's brilliant. It's amazing. Going into the studio, though, 30 years on, it, it, why? Why do you do it? Is it? Do you have this drive that you have to do it? What, what's, what's the reason? I suppose there's nothing quite like the feeling of, of when, when the creative process reaches its logical end, I guess. Yeah. You know, from walking down the street humming a melody to yourself or, or sitting in bed and writing a, couple of, a couplet down, a, a few lyrics to then demoing it, to then playing it in live, or sharing it with the, with the other musicians in the band, and then spending a few days up per track. Um, and it's just a really... I mean, it can be frustrating, but... But you enjoy it, because it would be easy really to coast. It would be it. easy to coast now and just play, you know, <laughs> play the butlin circuit and make, you know, make a few quid. You, you enjoy the work of it. Yeah. It's, you know, do you like cooking? <laughs> I like eating. Well, okay, you know, I, I get if I if I'm cooking, yeah, it's yeah, the yeah. same sort of thing. It's a yeah. se- sense of achievement of, uh, that, that that's part of the creative process, and uh, you know, lots of people understand that in many different ways. Whether you're a poet, a painter, or you know, yeah, or yeah. whatever, or, or just someone who likes to do jigsaw puzzles. You know, it's the same thing. It's like a feeling of fulfilment. It's made my day worthwhile, and that's why I do. I, I and I genuinely love making a noise. You know, it's, it, I've. I'm either tragic that I've never developed beyond it, or, or I'm wonderfully consistent. I haven't decided. And how has it how has it changed from recording, you know, twenty years ago to recording now for you? Not at all, to be honest. Really? I mean, there's, there's not bits of tape anymore, as you know, in your your gig, but it's yeah. computers. But um, but it's the same. We, it's the same process. It's working through it live, constantly reviewing it, talking to each other. You know, and there's a, I suppose I've got the loudest mouth, and always did in the studio, but. I like having a producer there as a referee, as someone that's got better better ears than me. But I like bouncing off all, all the other members of the band. It's you know, it's the the gang creative process is brilliant. There's a great now. I'm, there is a great line in this press release. I tend to ignore the press releases, but there's a great <laughs> line in this um, when you're talking about. Now I, I'm going to get this gentleman's last name wrong. Simon Efemi. Ephemy. Ephemy. Simon Ephemy, yeah. right? Yeah. Who produced it. Yeah. And there's a quote from you saying, without him ever coming straight out and saying he's never liked our previous <laughs> albums, he's always made it known to me he's been frustrated we've never made a record that's captured our live sound. Yeah. Has he now said, look, Miles, everything you've done up until now has been rubbish. This, <laughs> yeah, yeah, this is the album. Yeah, what he did say to me. I just didn't want to, I didn't <laughs> want to accuse him of that publicly, but, you know, we may as well do it here now. <laughs> no, he's, he's a brilliant, brilliant guy that I've known for years and years and years, and he's got a fantastic sense of humour. So he would have mind it at all, at all if I'd have just said for the press release, Simon thinks all of our other records are rubbish <laughs> and he's the only man on the planet that can make a good one by us. How about, just for a, a couple more things, I'm gonna let you go. I could talk all night. Uh, the, the, how big were you in the States? Because I've just been going down the rabbit hole on YouTube and I saw right. a brilliant clip of you on David Letterman yeah. playing Cheap Seats, I think it was, with um, with the band, with Paul uh, Paul Schaefer in the band That's singing right. along. Yeah, it's, it's a brilliant clip. Yeah, yeah. Was it, were, uh, were you big in the States? No, not at all. <laughs> oh. Well, you know, we could go to, you know, the major cities in New York, Chicago, you know, the usual. We could, we could, you know, at one point we were probably doing 1,000 to 1,500 people. 
um, in the major cities. And you know, mostly we did support tours. We went out there with Susie and the Banshees, went yeah. out there with a mission. We had a brilliant time. And I guess, you know, we had stuff playlisted at MTV and on alternative yeah. radio. They're all modern rock. Um, but the Letterman thing, it does make it look... You know, like we were being in the world. And that was a brilliant experience because he's there all afternoon rehearsing with the band. Oh, you could tell you were loving it. It's a, yeah. it's a brilliant clip. I'd never seen it before. It's a brilliant clip. Well, the funny thing I like, the, the thing I like about it is um, Letterman gets, you know, I think you film it all about 7 o'clock, 8 o'clock at night, and then it goes out as live at like 11 or something. But one of the things they'd said to me, the production staff had said, when you finish playing the song, Mr. Letterman may or may not come over and thank you before he goes to the ad break. And I said, that's fine. I don't mind. I don't care whether he does it or not. And then they said, yes, but if he does, under no circumstances must you look him in the eye. (laughs) (laughs) People (laughs) actually say that in real life. I didn't think that happened. They're joking, but they weren't. They were dead serious. They were like, "You, you mustn't. And so, of course, when we finish the song, he does come over to me. And the first thing I do is, is look him in the eye. Wow. Because, you know, I, I actually said, like, you're serious, right? And they go, you, you can only look at his shoulder. Isn't that funny? And I didn't do it to be, you know, unpleasant to the guy, but you look somebody in the eye when they shake you, you by, by you, that. <laughs> and then I just wondered, was it actually like a gag that all the production staff played on him and the poor bloke went home every night to his bed and his <laughs> missus and saying, honey, why does nobody ever look No one looks at me. <laughs> yeah. Have you seen the pictures of Letterman now? No, I haven't seen oh, a picture of him recently. Mate, you've got to Google it, right? There's some pictures came out a couple of days ago of David Letterman now. He's right. completely bald and he's got a massive beard. It's about a foot long. It's, really? It's unrecognisable. It's, it's brilliant. Someone spotted him out jogging, yeah. Really? Go, go and look in the eyes of that man and... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, Miles, listen, the album is 30 Goes Around the Sun. It's the 30th anniversary. It makes me feel old, but I, I feel happy knowing that you're at least a little bit older. It's a, well, it's a very lively, relentless rock record with a, with a lot of high points on it. So, you know, you saying it's, it's by a band that's been around for 30 years, it's only me from the originals. Everyone else I've made sure is a lot younger than me. <laughs> and, <laughs> it's a very lively, pleasant listen. Oh, it's good. Oh, and, and that's the thing. It does. There's so often, uh, Mark. You know, doing doing this kind of job, I get to um, interview lots of people who have released the right load of ropey old crap. As a new, <laughs> you know, as a new record, <laughs> you have to go. Well, this new record, it really is. Um, it really is a record now. But, yeah, but, yeah, but you're right. This doesn't sound like you know. I'm going to say it. A bloke who's well, you're 50 now. I'll be 15 a couple of months. Yeah. Okay, all right, calm down. <laughs> Still 49. You'll get there. I, I, well, m- maybe we'll see. Uh, Miles, websites and things. If people want to come and have a look and you know find out more about you, where should they go? Easy, thewonderstuff.com, or you can find me on just my name, um, either Facebook and Twitter. It's all me that does it. And I thoroughly enjoy engaging with people, as you found out. <laughs> yes, well, yes. I'm so glad that we are now our online friends. Miles, it's Isn't such a joy nice? to talk to you, mate. Thank you so much. I really Brilliant. appreciate your time. Thanks, See you later on. Bye-bye. See you again, mate. Bye. Talk radio. Dial up. Some dialogue. Talk radio. We'll get you talking.